Welcome to your go-to podcast for the pool and spa industry. My name is Tyler Rasmussen. And my name is Greg Viafania. And this is the Pool Chasers Podcast. Welcome to the Pool Chasers Podcast. This is episode seven. Yeah, we really enjoyed this episode with Bobe owners, Chris and Julie. Just to tell you a little bit about their character, I mean, they brought us you know, custom Pool Chasers cookies I don't know too many people that would do something like that. We are very appreciative. Yeah, we devoured those cookies. So thank you so much for doing that. And this uh, first part of the episode, we're going to talk about how they grew up here in Central Phoenix. Their parents were entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's not easy owning a business. Um, and we talk about, you know, just being siblings and how you get through some of those tough times and how you learn to work together. And after we talk about their beginnings, we'll jump right into what Bobe is exactly. They have a really cool and interesting story, so enjoy. Thank you guys for being here with us today. Oh, thank really you. appreciate it. Excited. Bobe in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So please, um, Bobe, can you guys please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Julie Crone, and um, I'm a partner in Bobe. And have been for about 12 years and excited to be here. Chris Kessler. I uh, started Bow Bay um, 20 years ago. Uh, started manufacturing stuff within the pool industry around then and then really kicked off Bow Bay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was about 2007 or 8 that I had joined on and we looked at everything and thought, okay, we have something here that we think we can do really well with let's formalize it and really give it a go nice yeah and we'll get more into the details of bobe because you guys have a really really cool story and we did a ton of research on you guys and the more we dug we we're just like wow we have <laughs> yeah. some really special people um, going to be on the podcast um so we really want to get to know you guys a little bit better so maybe you can uh if you want to start julie and tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your hobbies and yeah. things that you like to do yeah, um, I um, am a native Phoenician. Both of us are. Um, I love the outdoors. Um, I enjoy running and yoga, hiking. I've got two kids, one and a half and three and a half. So um, our lives are crazy busy right now between uh, family life and kids and work. i um, been married for nine years to an amazing person. And um, I love the entrepreneurial spirit of... Um, of this country and what we can do here. And, um, I've been really fortunate enough to be able to channel that in that energy into Bobay and the, in the industry. Very cool. And I know you went to, um, Colorado Boulder. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yes. How did you transition from Phoenix to Colorado? Did you get a scholarship or something? No, we, we would go up to, um, Durango a lot growing up. Um, we'd go snowboarding up there and then we'd, go on fishing trips. Um, we both went to camps up there in the summertime. So the mountains were kind of just ingrained in me from the beginning. And, um, I took a trip up there to check out the school. And if you've ever driven from Denver to Boulder, there's a point where you hit a peak and all of a sudden you see the city of Boulder and you see the Flatiron Mountains and it's insanely gorgeous. Every single time I would hit that peak when I was the four years I was there, I was always amazed. And, um, and I spent the week there and kind of checking things out and just thought, God, I've got to come back here and um, ended up moving to Boulder for four years and going to college there. That's awesome. Yeah. And you do you snowboard up there or ski? Yeah, snowboard. Um, and um, 
gosh, got into snowboarding. Chris got me into snowboarding. Um, we went once in Durango. Snowboarding. <laughs> your first, have you guys snowboarded? Yes. Your, oh, your yeah. first couple days are pure torture. Yeah. And it's like after your first day, you don't know why you're going for your second day or your third day because it's so painful and you're so sore. But it's a blast. Yeah. If you can get past that period, yes. then it's just like <laughs> the most awesome thing ever. I Yeah, I snowboarded a lot when I was younger. And yeah, you once you get into it, it sucks you in. Mm-hmm. And that's like all you want to do. Like, oh my God, I got to get back to reality. Yeah. Because I'm going to lose my job or <laughs> right. I'm going to get kicked out of school because I'm here way too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Durango, I went on a, a trip and I visited Chris because he was up there working um, – um, at Purgatory, when it was named Purgatory, uh, as a lifty. Yeah. Oh. So you worked up in the mountain, Chris? Yeah. When I was 17, I moved up there for a year. Uh, I ran lift eight, so I got to snowboard every day. I got 12 to 15 runs in on my days off. We'd go to backcountry. Uh, took that time. I competed in a border cross and got to do that type of stuff. So it was a, being young and having my own place up there and my dog and my job uh, was good before I got into college. Yeah. I'm really surprised. I'm um, just getting to know you a little bit that you wouldn't stay in a place like Colorado. You know we what I talk, mean? We've talked about moving the shop to Colorado. Having, having a branch out there. <laughs> yeah. No, do don't this? pick up and leave completely. You got to <laughs> have two locations. Exactly. <laughs> nice. So how come, yeah. So how come you decide to kind of be here instead of there, even just getting a taste of what Colorado has to offer? You know, I was I was young. Uh, I said I think it was seventeen when I moved up there. Um, worked out the ski lift, uh, ran the lift. I was the youngest around everyone that was up there. Everyone was in their twenties ever doing that. Um, so it was part of life that was extremely new to me, and I knew that I wanted to do more than run a lift. There didn't seem to be enough opportunity up there to do more, though. You maybe start a little business, but the town didn't seem big enough to to proceed to something bigger that I could do. And the manufacturing fabrication was what I understood. And I didn't really understand anything past that. That's where I knew I would be at some point. So did a year up there and then came back down went to NAU sort of semester, then transferred to uh, ASU. So I'd be closer to family, uh, my dad's shop, because that was a place where I could go work, build what I wanted to build and progress what I wanted to eventually get into. Nice. And he um, he manufactured something, right? Restaurant equipment. So he owned a company in the Valley for about 32 years that manufactured restaurant equipment, the hoods, the big stainless steel, the sinks, the countertops. So you know, I started welding, learning how to weld when I was really, really young, about 10 years old. Then at some point, I got older in the summers, I would start installing the stuff. I would start welding stuff in the shop. Um so how I learned, I learned on TIG welding, 20 gauge, 316 stainless steel. So I didn't learn stick. I didn't learn MIG. I learned right from TIG welding right to it. I learned how to shape metal. I learned on the English wheel, the planishing hammers. I started learning all that stuff that I would do my own side projects for when I was younger. You know, it's where making a little trike, uh, making a go-kart, things like that. So that's where I kind of learned. Yeah, that seems kind of odd for a, a kid to want to be doing it 10 years old. You not, know what I mean? Not if you saw his room. He had he always had components and parts for the RC cars and for all these different things. And he had this huge desk like this, and it was just filled with parts. And and he would be always be in there working and tinkering with something. Always, always taking stuff apart. I'm sure. Constantly, I'm sure. constantly. That was my brother, but he never knew how to 
You never knew how to put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's and where welding would come into yeah. play. Yeah, yeah right. Like, we'll just make this <laughs> gonna make this look different. <laughs> Very cool. So, how was it growing up? You know, from when you guys were really young, what was it like? Oh, he tortured me. <laughs> it was pure torture. I was a tough big brother, but I think it, it benefited her as she got older. But I was a tough big brother. But no, it, it was it was solid. Very cool family from going camping, uh, neat vacations. Um, both our parents owned their own businesses. So we got to see, that's all we really knew. We never really knew our parents working for anybody, which made it nice. We knew that schedules, something could always be figured out. Uh, the parents were always there for anything we needed, uh, whether it be games, uh, birthdays, anything like that, that they were always there to be part of it and but knowing that they each had their own business we also saw that there was a lot of stress that came with it and a lot more that it just wasn't yeah we own our business that's easy it was a battle and so but we got to see all of that yeah, i'm yeah, sure you have great. a different appreciation for your uh for your parents because once you own a business you realize the sacrifices and how hard it is to you know, maneuver your schedule around so that you can make your right. daughter's event or your son's right. event or get home for your, your girlfriend or your husband or wife or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, as, mm -hmm. even as much as you love being around your kids or, you know, your other half, it's still, it's still work to try and make sure that your business is good and you, right. you're not checking out and right. you're leaving everybody hanging. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest parts you know, about being an entrepreneur and being us running our own businesses, like you can always make those events or 95% of the time make those events. And, you know, we work super late nights, work super early mornings, right. but yeah. it's cool because you don't have to get fit in this little box of like eight to four or nine to five. You know, you can always shift some stuff around and work before or after and it makes it really, really nice for our families for sure. Cause otherwise, <laughs> Sometimes you get stuck mixed, missing those things, and that's rough. Yeah, I don't want any part of that. And you know, doing your own thing yeah. also though really makes you you have to put the hours in. You can't really fall back on anyone. So there's plenty of really really late nights on the computer, extremely early mornings to get a rush job out. But you you figure out a way to always make that happen because you have to own it. Mm -hmm. so you have no choice. Yeah, you got nobody else uh -huh. that's gonna. <laughs> it's on you, and that's. You know, I, I tend to work super early, so I'll come like three thirty four. He tends to work super late, and it just kind of, I don't know, just we can get those quiet hours, you know, where nothing is happening, and you can just work. And, you know, we love our families, and we love our guys and the company and stuff that happens. But when we're over there, it's like nonstop making decisions, putting fires out, boom, 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 boom. But those, long, you know, those early hours and late nights really help to, like, even all that out helps so much done. <laughs> yeah. So much done when it's kind of pissed that my kids will probably get to experience like scientists will come up with a way for us to be able to fully function with just an hour of sleep. <laughs> but by the time that happens, like I'll probably be retired. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so where exactly in the Valley did you guys grow up at? And in, in actually in Phoenix, central right. Phoenix, central, yeah, right. Phoenix? central Phoenix. Yep. Nice. How was it over there? We love it. I love Central Phoenix. It's great. You know, really cool neighborhoods, good families. Uh, the bridal path, riding our bikes down in the summer. There was kind of big properties back then, so there was orchards down Central. Um, it was fun. It was really fun. Nice. Yeah. And were you guys, like, really, like, into the books? Were you good students, or were you just kind of just all over the place doing everything? I was academic, but very social. So um, I, I remember 
on my report cards, that was the one thing that the teachers consistently noted was, you know, she talks a lot. She's, you know, <laughs> we've had to move her up to the front because she's, yeah. she's talking with everybody. And, um, but I loved the academic part of it. Um, and I love the social aspect of, of school and meeting people and, and creating friendships and sports. Yeah. That's where it's at. That's where you really pick up those social skills. Um, I think depending on your personality, I mean, you figure a right. lot of things out when you're in school. Um, you know, is there anything, you know, maybe from your childhood, maybe from like, you know, high school um, to the earlier days that you think kind of made you who you guys are now? Hmm. I mean, I'm sure your parents have a, you know, big plan that just owning their own business. And well, I think we really lucked out because we had do have two parents that have been invested in us wholeheartedly from the get-go and they've really never wavered from that. Um, and they've in- certainly encouraged us and they gave, they gave us a really great foundation for us to be able to jump off and, and do whatever we want. They didn't, you know, hold our hand, but they gave us everything they could in the early years so that we had the confidence and knowledge and education to be able to take it to the next level on our own. So, and I, I think as, as we become parents, it's, Every year it seems to – my appreciation for them seems to unfold a little bit more because I think, God, how did they do this? And they managed X, Y, and Z, and they did that on top of it. And and so you kind of think, right, you know, I've got some big shoes to fill. Right. <laughs> so it kind of keeps you going. And do they ever kind of look at what you guys do now and been like, man – we knew something was going to happen because Chris was really gifted at, yeah. you know, taking things apart and showed so much interest in uh, your dad's business and you were, you know, kind of academic. So it was like, it was really cool that you guys just joined forces and are doing what you do. They talk much about that. Yeah. I mean, they, they love it. And I think they, I think they saw that how we would eventually work together because Julie and I are very different. Um, she is the more social part of it. Um I don't, I think she was probably an easier kid for the parents. I don't think I probably was whatsoever. Um, Why is that? You know, I always did what I want when I wanted. I had a understanding really early that you just couldn't get in that much trouble because you'd end up getting it back if they took something. If you're grounded, you'd end up getting out of it. And I think at a young age, I understood that. And so I think I usually end up doing what I wanted when I wanted. He called his own shots from an early age. Yeah. <laughs> were you, were you pretty reserved when you were younger or were you kind of outgoing? I was, I was outgoing. Um, I wasn't a big into the, the sports, you know, I played them cause that's kind of what everyone did. Um, my dad got me into boxing when I was really young and I did that all the way from being a really young kid up to about 34. Mm-hmm. About, yeah. So I oh, spent wow. a lot of my life in that type of thing, I enjoyed. I did a lot of the dirt bikes we talked about, a lot of motorcycles, yeah. um, racing off-road and the best in the desert and score series. Um, oh, no way. Doing some little things like that. So I I enjoyed that type of stuff. And like I said, even down to that last motorcycle trip, it was, a, it was a trip just for me to do something that I wanted to do. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, it sounds like you guys had a really cool – um, life growing up and it made yeah. you who you are today. Yeah. I think yeah. you and I talked about that recently and we went to Florida, um, to go to the big trade show. Um, you know, we went to Kennedy space center <laughs> and my parents took me there when I was really little. And then we went inside there and I was look, looking at it and all this stuff. And I was like realizing like, Oh man, I can't, I, I got this like overwhelming appreciation for my parents. Yeah. Like at that point, because I'm like, 
everything we they did and all everything we did for us and like then you took us here did all these things and then uh, it's been ever since I think going in this business and it's been a much bigger appreciation for what they did and because yeah. we both have like I have a six year old and a one year old and he has what how old are you five two and oh, five two and five so we're we're in the same boats as you mm-hmm. yep <laughs> <laughs> so we we definitely understand and appreciate it more as you become parents yeah. and run the business and do all that so mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah, definitely understand that. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so when you guys went into business together, how did that start out? And was there any issues? Did you guys succeed right away or what? I'm uh, sure, right? You guys it just worked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Click the first day. Julie, Julie is really good at what she does. And when she started, there wasn't truly very many women in the industry, especially the position that she was in. But it ended up truly being a trial by fire with her because day one, I gave her Microsoft Excel, showed her how I kept everything, and I went into the shop and said, have at it. You know, this is your side now, and there's my side, and let's figure this thing out. So she, there wasn't a lot of training involved. It was, here's something very new to you, and you're going to have to do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what accounts receivable or accounts payable was. I mean, from the, the very bare basics, I started trying to learn and ask questions and um it's kind of fake it till you make it and um so it was a big it was a big learning curve and and chris was used to doing a lot of what i had taken over and i'm trying to figure everything out so he's used to being in my space i'm trying to get into my space and his space because i'm trying to wrap my head around everything so we started you know overlapping quite a bit and that's when you start to you know start to bump heads and you're saying okay well whose role is this, you know? And so it took a few years, but once, once we really started to iron that out, a huge appreciation grew for each other and respect for each other's abilities and capabilities and talents. And, and once you have that foundation of respect, you know, it makes everything, you know, so much easier. Yeah. I think it's important too, that Sometimes it's a benefit going into business with a sibling because you know the other one so well Mm -hmm. and you know how they dealt with situations growing up that you kind of know what what things not to say and how to say them or what to do. But unfortunately, in business, you know, you you cross that line anyway. You just try to have a better approach to it. Um, So was that really nice kind of having an understanding of, you know, one another? Yes. I mean, Julie and I do work extremely well together. Um, Better than I probably thought because you hear stories about families and hear stories about what it could be. So for for us, I think we worked way better than I ever imagined and realized that I have my strengths. She has hers. I don't want to do, nor can I do what she does, but she can't do, nor would want to do what I do. And so we're able to propel this business, I think, much quicker, much faster, but much more efficiently by understanding how we work, how we do things. And like you said, at an early age, I knew what would piss her off and uh, I knew what would drive her nuts. And I knew what also she made her work right. She knows the same with me. So that's, I think, a real benefit to have something of such long term as her and I. Yes. And you guys don't take each other for granted. No. No. 
It takes yeah. a second because I think when you don't, when you go into a business, especially when like yourself, you know what you're doing, like the the fabricating side and all that stuff, you know your craft, but there's still the back end to actually make it a business and make mm-hmm. it successful and all those other things that you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's really difficult and it takes a long time for, you know, your role to actually really take time to understand what he does because that's how it was when we first started where it took me a while to really understand what it was to clean pools and repair them and how to do all these different things. And it's like, once you get on that level where you understand, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, damn, I'm, I'm really sorry that I, cause I wasn't very understanding. It's like, why would you do it that way? Why did you tell him you were going to be there at noon and you showed up at two or this and that? Like, because I had a million other things to do before that. And that's mm-hmm. why I told you not to make, right. you know, <laughs> time right. schedule so tight. You know what I mean? But there's so many different things that you really have to get into it. Um, you have to really understand what the other person does in order for to have that mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And there's And there's a reason behind everything that he does when it comes to engineering and manufacturing. So we'll have a sales rep um, come to our shop and to do a tour and to kind of do a deep dive into products. And they walk away amazed at his level of knowledge and passion. And they have so much more of a respect for the finished product because they know what goes into creating each component from the very beginning of the early drawings and the engineering and the fluid dynamics and, and the engineering processes and the finishing um, that it's, it's, it's neat for me because I, I know and I understand it as best as I can. It's neat for me to see other people also begin to recognize that. And then they leave our shop with so many ideas of possibilities and what can be created because we do manufacture it all in-house. So we have a fabulous, solid line of um, production pieces that we make, but we do a lot of custom work too. And that's where the designers get really excited about you know their their dreams actually coming yeah, to fruition visions come to yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I think we had a, um, I mean a similar struggle in the beginning, like to you guys did, because I was running it by myself pretty much for a while. And then he came in similar to how you came mm-hmm. in. I still do all the books and stuff I did, but then he, he took over all the marketing and everything like that. And we, he designed the logo and we figured out how to market it and do all this stuff. But I didn't want any part of that cause I didn't want to do it, <laughs> but you know, there, but there was a certain, there were certain things that he would do with the, with the Instagram pictures or different things. I'm like, you can't, you can't put that up or you can't say that that way. And he'd be like, why? I don't, I don't care. Like this, is, this makes it look better. I'm like, because you know, you're, I don't know, I don't, I don't know the exact example, but I would be like, no, this is how things are worded in this industry. And by you saying it, that it sounds this way and different things like that, where, you know, we had to kind of get on the same page. And we talked about it before until he went and cleaned pools and did the route and did what I was doing. It was very difficult for us to communicate on that same level. And, you know, once you understand the appreciation and I understand quite a bit more about the marketing side now. And now I, I definitely don't want to touch it any more than I do. <laughs> so, you know, I understand what he does now too. And it's, it's cool to get on that same level of appreciation and understanding. And you say, yeah, man, you can, you know, what well, we run things by each other all the time. You know, I'll tell him, Hey, I want to do this. Is that cool? Or vice versa. He'll say the same thing, but like, I don't, all we want is like a yes or no. And we don't mm-hmm. need to get involved. It doesn't need to change things unless, unless it, you know, we, we have a different opinion, but usually it's like, just checking in with one another and yep, that's cool. And then move on. So, you know, it was, it was a struggle for us for two for a while. We've I had think a- you have to be the type of person that can have those reality checks all the time. Cause I know back then 
I was like, I'm, I'm the man. Like, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me that's why I'm here. Like, you know what I mean? And I think you get to a point where you're just like, dude, you got to communicate better. You are good, but you don't understand everything. You need to take a few steps back and understand what this business is and what it is that we are actually trying to do. And that way you can actually put your, what you're good at to good use. And you're both on the same page. Like don't get, don't take everything so personal. And that's where, especially with family, when somebody tries to step in and say something, we're always taking it personal. It's like, dude, but you you can't tell me that. I know what I'm doing here. It's like, yeah, but you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we had a couple people, you know, because I think our dynamic is so lined out now that we, people see us and like, Oh, it'd be cool to have a partner or like, and we're like, no, like, don't, don't do it, man. <laughs> you know, but that's not, and we, we are like better than we ever have been. We're on the same page. We do all our own things and we're good, but it took a long time to get to that point. You know I mean? We're, we love each other. We're brothers and we, you know, respected each other on that level, but it took a while to get to the respective yeah. business level. And I think, you know, it's, if you don't have hundred percent communication all the time, that little stuff in the mind, your mind starts ticking. Like you think you can do it better, or I, I mean, I, I would have done it differently. I can do it better, and like those type of things. And then it gets into this huge, you know, hole. And we had one big blow up like that, where it was like a whole laundry list of like nineteen things, and it was like, "Whoa, dude!" It was last night. Sounds like it's been repaired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was like this huge laundry list and you know we did discuss come came to the table the next day like hey are we are we going to move forward with this or we're going to do our own thing because this is not working out and part of most of that was because we were he was in the field cleaning pools i was doing my thing we were kind of running this business together but not really we were i was running one side he was running the other side and it was never it was never intertwining it was going like this mm-hmm. and then everyone saw you know be back together but it was very difficult and then one of the best moves we ever made was moving here because it got us away from the team on those quiet times, you know, we like being over there and we like being involved, but like the times where we can actually hang out and talk and have conversations, you know, was way elevated when we came here I and mean, it changed everything. But, you know, it's, it's difficult. We, we've had a few people and even, you know, Brett, shout out to Brett. He did a podcast in the pool industry and he was the first person like three years ago, but you know, Greg asked him, um, you know, I wrote him an email yeah, about like being partnered. He told us not to be partners and it was a huge bad idea and you know we we've made it work much better but like i definitely understand why he said that and it's yeah. if you are going to be a partnership with somebody you definitely need to think about that all the way through and i think you guys similar to what you said you guys have are completely different so are we and that's what makes it much better i'm very good at certain things i'm not good at what he's at yeah. and vice versa and that plays out well for us as it, i think it probably does for you guys yeah. yeah so what do you guys do to keep the communication, um, just on point all the time. Do you meet up every morning or once a week? Is there are your offices next to each other? We yeah. never stop communicating. No, we <laughs> That's never. That's how do. we do it. So it, it, it's <laughs> constant. Um, anything comes up, we talk about it. Whether we text about it, chat about it. I go in her office. She comes in mine. Walk through the shop. We also live one street apart. Um, so it wasn't enough to work together. We had to, <laughs> we had to live. Okay. <laughs> no, we're about a. 30 second walk to each other's homes. Um, so the communication between her and I, the business and how we see things has really usually been parallel to each other and understanding of the end result that we're looking for and what we want 
there's been very, very little, if any, deviation from that. Somebody asked me recently if if we talk business after hours and on the weekends, and I, God, yes, it's <laughs> it, it's part of every single conversation that we have, or text, or email, or you know, everything. It's I mean, it's it's so, so much a part of our life that it's there's no way to, and I wouldn't want to create you know a separation or a hard and fast rule. Yeah. Well, was it always that way? Like, were you guys always communicating that way, even in the, the more difficult times? Yeah, I believe we always yeah. did talk like that. We always did. You know, yeah. And even the difficult times, there might have been a little blow up, but it was very quick to come right back to the table and say, ah, no, this is, we need to do this. This is, that wasn't correct. Let's do this. It was always very quick to come back to the table. There was no, nothing lingered. Right. Is there one situation in particular that you think, was difficult and you got through it and it really kind of made you guys see things different? We had a couple of pretty big, pretty, pretty big blow ups, but I really at the, when you say blow up, is that like, like you guys are raising your voices and doors are getting slammed and people are leaving? Like, what are we, I mean, that's, that's kind of how ours looked. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but I mean, I, I got super upset and I yeah. took it things personal and I, I definitely raised my voice and said things I yeah. shouldn't have said. And I stormed off and, you know, I mean that yeah. after that I was embarrassed, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So was it something like that? It's more in like intense conversations. Intense super conversations. Intense. Okay. okay. I'm a little, I'm a little more hot than Julie. Um, and I think it can be slightly more dominating, uh, than Julie, but, um, Never door slams, never stuff like that. Just an intense conversation that take a break for a little bit, come back to the table and, and get it figured out. I think in our heart of hearts, we know that this is long term, whether it's the business, the relationship is long term. It's not something that will ever end. So even through those moments, it's not like there's such a deeper relationship there that even in those, you know, really trying times, you just know deep down that there's, there's going to be, we will find a way to, to work through this. There will not be, you know, like a final end, you know, like there can be in some relationships or some business partnerships. Um, so I think that at the end of the day, if you you have that in the back of your mind, even if it gets tough, you, you always get back to center and, and really, one, we had a couple of those, but outside of that, I think neither one of us have any desire to get to that place. And we have that level of respect for each other that we don't even get close to that place anymore. Is it diff- is there a per- is there a particular part of your business that seems to never work one hundred percent all the time? I know that nothing can work one hundred percent all the time, but is it difficult like finding new people to work for you or agreeing with the people that work for you? Is it you know? There's so many moving parts. I feel like yeah. every day it's a, it's a different, sure. you know. I think, I think the deal is, though, it's a true, real manufacturing business in the United States, which isn't tough. I mean, I'm sorry, which is it's tough. I mean, they don't, it's not made to be easy. So you're talking so many different components for so many different parts from your raw materials to your machining oils down to the entire office, how they need to communicate with the shop that's right there. Um there is a massive amount of moving parts to try to make everything work from the crating to the shipping to the packaging 
the technical parts of automatic ignition system to the wiring to the testing to everything to where our shop is set up to be as friendly as possible within the people that work down there. I mean, we work day in and day out with them and they, they have to love it too. It's not supposed to be just a job. It's so there needs to be some passion within what you're doing and everyone we have down there, it's a, it's a true team that really does work together. Um, and it works, I think how we've always wanted to work. I mean, the shop, it doesn't have a true foreman. I've never wanted a foreman in a shop. Um, I always tell the guys that this isn't a preschool. You know, we're adults. You, you're there to work. We're there to work together. And we're supposed to make it a fun environment. You know, it is work, but let's love what we're doing. Let's enjoy it and be part of it. You know, everyone kids put their ideas in, their concepts, anything they want to do. So I try to make it much more like that, at least in the shop. And Jun Julie in the office, she really tries to make that just a fun team that we're, we're working for a common goal. Yeah. We, we bring everybody in like, like family, they start as an employee. Um, and it's still kind of sounds weird when somebody refers to, to me or Chris as a boss, because I, I think of our, we're so much more of a team, um, than that. And it's nice to have that family like environment where you don't have to leave your life outside of the office at home. People, somebody in our office, um, she's really big into dog rescue and, uh, once every other week, she shows up with a dog she picked up off the street, <laughs> and then we have you know, a random dog running around until she can find a home for it. Um, yeah, I saw you guys had you had two cats at one time that you rescued, <laughs> and one of them's name was Chris, Chris, <laughs> Princess, and Chris, right? <laughs> no, we. Uh, I found those cats twenty years ago as little tiny babies. There was a uh, five of them when I found them. And the mom, uh, I mean, they're really really tiny, and I've never been a cat for. I've always had dogs, but. Uh, I got them all spayed, neutered, uh, started feeding them. And out of the five, you know, I still have two of them left. And at 20 years, it's pretty good for <laughs> That is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Which two are those? That's that's Chris, yeah. yeah. And, and um, then the, the black and white cat. Yeah. So what's behind that? You just want a cat named after you or what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it started as a joke because uh, it was always in the shop. And it wouldn't come out of the shop. So it would be sitting on a welding table. It was always out there. Uh Started as a joke and it kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. cats acting like Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> following him around. That's su- that's super cool. That's cool. We did see you know on Instagram and stuff your guys's culture and that was something we wanted to talk about because I think it's cool how you guys involve your employees and take the pictures and ha- treat it like a family. You guys do anything special like around Thanksgiving, Christmas, other things like that or? We yeah, had, yeah we had a fun Christmas. We uh, we did the escape room. Have you guys done oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Heard of it. It was yeah. neat. It was a pretty cool experience. It looks like a lot of fun. It was fun. I want to do it again. Everybody was amped up afterwards now that you had one under your belt um, to go in and do it again and get a faster time and solve a different puzzle. And um, you fun dinners like that around yeah. the holidays, uh, happy hour, you know, every once in a while. Um, We're going to go up to Flagstaff and do their, their ropes course oh, right yeah. outside of Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We almost yeah. Up that. in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, but we we genuinely want to spend time with everybody outside of the office so that you can, A, we like everybody. We really enjoy spending time together. And it gives everybody a kind of a break to, um, we inevitably end up talking about work, but it gives everybody a break to just hang out outside of the office and refuel. Yeah, it's really cool that you guys have, you know, 
somewhat set hours where everybody's mm-hmm. kind of in the same facility for so long. Cause I think that's something we definitely kind of right. envy because some guy gets off at 10 or 11 because right. they're doing pools or repairs. Everybody gets off at a different time. So it's so difficult unless we take a whole entire week off or, you know, we're taking some days during the week off, but you know, I always see stuff like that. I'm like, man, that's freaking cool. We'll won't be able to do that anytime <laughs> soon until everybody is like, you right, know, exactly. gets off at the same time. But, you know, that's really cool. Saw pictures of you guys bowling and doing yeah. Secret Santa and <laughs> you actually dress up for Halloween. I was like, what the heck? I'm like, that's that's cool. People don't understand that that kind of stuff. You can get people to dress up for Halloween like everybody and come to the office. That's like that's that's a lot of respect. Because not everybody, there's usually like a few people like, I'm, right. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, we, had a, we have a really good group down there. We do. We're and lucky. We're very lucky. They're into what they do, though. And that's that's a kind of fun part. And they they just, they love it. And they, they we talk about it. And they, they have fun with what they're doing. Yeah. And how do you recruit them? I mean, I know you have some, is there some family besides you two? Some, no? Well, our dad is down yeah. there. Oh, oh yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So he had sold his business a few years ago and was going to retire and didn't realize the retirement wasn't really for him, so he's he's down with us three four days a week. Yeah, helping yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's super cool. That, it's all yeah. We it's just all people that we've we've hired. So we'll put out an ad um, on Indeed or Craigslist or through ASU. And for me, when I do interviews, I really try to tap into the intuitive side and getting a read on somebody as opposed to checking off, um, you know, what I'm looking for on their resume. Certainly there are are general things that I like to see, but far beyond that, it's much more of, do I have an instant rapport with this person? How is our communication style? How am I kind of feeling them? And for me, that has helped us to make the right decisions in hiring people. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life, though. Tapping into your intuition. Everybody has that intuitive sense. But there's so much going on around us that we oftentimes, we can't hear it because there's all this noise. Um, and I think whether it's it's work or hiring people or making a big decision, it's kind of quieting and, and tapping into that that side. Yeah. Do most of decision. them, have most of them seen your website or follow you on Instagram and stuff so they can actually kind of have a better look at, because you can go on your Instagram and have a really good mm-hmm. idea of the culture and what it is that you actually do mm-hmm. and be like, that that's where I want to work. That place looks like it's happening. Yeah. Most people, once we've scheduled an interview, they've done their, their research or, um, because when they see our name, Bobay Water and Fire, they don't, you know, really know what to think. Um, so then they've, you know, done the research, submitted their application and they have a, a decent idea for what we're doing do you guys do the interviews together even for like the shop guys or you do all the interviews i do all the office staff interviews um and then chris or i'll do the shop and our james that works on there our lead machinist um he'll interview the guys also depending on what part of the facility it's in but a lot of times uh i'll interview them you know see where they're at they might take a test and then they're they're off and running that's interesting because if you guys don't aren't there with each other, that's pretty cool that you still have like a group of people that coexists, mm-hmm. even though you're not both interviewing them and both have your opinions. It's cool that they're kind of intermingled like that. And yeah. everybody's so different. That's what's I love about it. Everybody is so different and so unique and has has different interests and talents, but there's just a common thread that kind of unites everybody. That makes it fun. 
Yeah. So let's jump into um, some of the shows and expos and stuff you get. You know, this is all pretty much leading up to what Bobe is yeah. exactly. And, you know, the real kind of details is to the different types of uh, things that you do. Um, but let me talk about some of the expos and events you go to because we obviously met yeah. um, for the first time in Long Beach, um, which was really cool. I didn't run into you first. I think my brother did. And I ran into two other people that were there. I think one of them was Logan. Yes. And... Yeah, as soon as he figured out he was into motorcycles, we just yeah. <laughs> we talked forever, and it was like it was the coolest thing. I love that. Um, so you guys go to quite a few shows. We oh. do, we do. I had, I think I don't know if I was there when you when you first showed up because I was coming from a show in Texas. No, um, I I talked with them first, and then they told me you were going to be there the next day. Okay, and that's when I came back to talk with you. Um, well, actually, I asked them who does the marketing for Instagram, and that was they told me it was you. Yeah. And then, yeah, that you were coming the next day. Yeah, did we meet? Did I meet you? Yes, that I day was there. Too? Yeah. I was gonna say I think because you, when you when you came in the door, you looked familiar to me. So I think I met you, and then the two. Yeah, and then I met you the next day. Yeah, but, yeah. We did, yeah we we have added on a lot of shows. The first, I mean, I think remember the first one, the International Pool and Spa show was in Vegas. Was the first one we did, and that was it was a huge deal in terms of you know expense and logistics and not knowing you know, the format and the layout and kind of how things would go together. Yeah, that's a big one to jump into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked. The idea that we didn't truly know what it was about, we just knew you had to have a 10 by 10 area right. <laughs> yeah. that we didn't have an idea. And so never have done a trade show. Um, we just started designing a booth. Okay. That we'll first do. booth you designed was, was awesome. It was cool. But we, you know, we designed a full booth. We manufactured it. We got it all set and we brought it there. As soon as I got there, I realized that, you know, a lot of these booths are just um, some printed up vinyl and a table. Oh, man, it's boring. We're like, yeah. whoa, we overbuilt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Business no, cards and a bowl awesome. of candy. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. a booth. Yeah. You guys definitely set yourself apart. I think that's so cool. I mean, the one that you built for Long Beach, I was um, pretty impressed with. That was really awesome. That was one that we really I, – I did it on SolidWorks down to every nut and bolt to where – how the water is going to flow, how it's going to be plumbed, every inch of it, um, to where we have it in 3D on our computer. And so we had the plans, everything. We built it, machined it, powder-coated it, wired it, plumbed it, and sent it off. You know, the education we talk a lot about, and so us being able to have a pre-plumbed and running rain feature up there for people to see, oh, here are where the inlets are, here's how... You know, all the nozzles that go along the top, and this is where it flows out, and it's an inch and a half threaded female fitting. For people to be able to actually see that in person is so much different, even than through you know, a video or a, you know, a picture or a drawing. Yeah. And so it was that he designed that into the display was, was huge, and the pure flow and the grass edge. We had, there were so many amazing working components to that display. Yeah, that thing is sweet. And it's, and it wasn't like too much, but you could just look at it and know exactly what's going on. And that's really important because there's so many booths that you can look at sometimes by like, what yeah. exactly? You make, yeah. you make magazines? Right. Pamphlets? <laughs> what do you, business card company? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You make candy? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what other ones do you guys go to? Have you been to? We do ASLA, Hearth, Sell-out. Patio and Barbecue. Um, we started to do a lot of the regional shows. Um, the regional shows are picking up steam. So the Western show, Southwest Pool and Spa show, everything under the sun. Um, and those are all during the week. How do you guys get away for so many of those? Well, so trade show season starts in September and then it goes through March. So in our industry, it's technically the downtime. I think we've been fortunate enough to where 
it, it's not our downtime because a lot of jobs are still going on and still using our products because it might not be completely tied to the pool. They might be doing a, an entry fountain way or they're doing a fire feature that, you know, doesn't, they don't need to dig a pool for. Yeah. Um, so we, we really maintain throughout yeah. the year, but it's, there are a few months where everybody's really going 90 miles per hour for a long sure. time and kind of ready for a, a little break. I think in Arizona too, it's so hot in the summertime that I think your building process, the building pools shifts a little bit farther into that it's off season mm-hmm. because people want their pools in the summertime. We just had a customer that was going to remodel our pool and it was like set for six weeks and they changed it from eight to 12 weeks. And she's like, no, I'm not doing it right now. Cause I want, right. that's, that's two, two and a half right. months of the summer. <laughs> so I, I need, need that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you guys probably last in that busy season a little bit. It's never really been a downtime for us either. So right. <laughs> thank God it definitely yeah. is difficult <laughs> to get to those trade shows and get away. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot of juggling, but they're but they're fun and they're energizing. That's what's. I think we we both go there and we'll you know get a chance to talk to people face to face and um, hear stories about how they use the product and um, what they did with it and ask questions that they might not otherwise ask because they don't have time to pick up the phone, um, but they'll ask you. You're right there. They ask you and um, and then and then you come away from the shows energized and and pumped up about you know what's what you're coming out with next and the conversations you had. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and that other show, what was it? The it's like the architectural one. ASLA. Yeah, I looked at that website on that. It looks pretty, looks pretty legit. But that's kind of more like everything, not just pools and right. So I think what's been fun about our line is that we've we've broadened our horizons beyond the pool and spa industry because you can use our planters anywhere. You can use. A fire pit anywhere you can use a fountain and because of the tech the um, custom work we do that really lends itself to asla and you know the american society of landscape architects and um, for people to really utilize our capabilities well, just this last week we built a uh, full barbecue you know full electronic working barbecue so nothing that we had built before but it was a very contemporary uh all stainless steel all machined uh, basically just a barbecue to cook on. So that's something that we got, well, we can do this. Maybe we'll integrate a little bit of that into what we do. You keep talking about all this custom work. What's your favorite project you think you built at custom? The big custom project that I built was in Bermuda. Um, it was a really large stainless steel and glass fountain. Uh, it was meant to look like a bunch of cells because they have a lot of sailboats in Bermuda. Um, it was done for the ex-prime minister of Bermuda. And it was really detailed machine work. Uh, the plumbing work that is in it was extremely detailed. Um, we did all stainless steel plumbing that you would never see again because it was covered up with concrete. Um, the the big piece of glass were a real special type of glass that went into real long, 12-foot-long, full billet, uh, 316 stainless steel hinge pieces that swiveled on four different access for gain access to. Uh, laminar jets, the lighting, um, just the location. It was in front of the largest building on Front Street in Bermuda. Every single person that goes to work down there will see it every single day. Every single tourist would go by it. Um, it was really dynamic also. Uh, logistics, getting it there, me going back and forth constantly. There was so much to it. And I worked for Price on the most incredible people that I've ever met in my life also. And so became good friends with them. They first started putting me up in the hotel down there. After a while, they started setting me up in their 
their house. So I got to stay in their home that was on top of a hill, private beach, um, oh, amazing wow. dinners with them. You know, every time I was there, um, it was it was a really really interesting experience. Yeah. You said it was like 35 different trips or something? Yeah, it was constantly going back and forth. Um, they set me up with a office in their office on the top floor of their building that they built uh, to where I could work on the fountain. And then I would come in and I'd do orders and everything like that, getting it back to my office. Then I would go home with uh, this guy that was the ex-president of Bermuda and then go out to a great dinner with him and his wife and... You know, next day I might work a little bit and they said, you know, why don't we hit the beach that day? Then we'd be on the beach, uh, enjoying there. It was, it was what an a experience. Cool experience. It was. It must be so cool to just know that you started a business and you're <laughs> designing products that people like that actually want them. And you're just, you're doing stuff that not a lot of people can say they've done. How do they reach out to you? They reach us throughout, uh, through Brian Van Bauer. Um, I don't know if you know him, but he's a, uh, incredible pool designer um he's really helped us uh throughout the years he's really been open to us but he's also taken what i know and adapted it to what they do um so he's been a he's been a huge help to us throughout the years and he's been a very supportive he was one of the founders of genesis 3 yeah that's right that's right Mm -hmm. i saw an interview i think that had both of you guys talking in it too i think i remember so that's pretty cool yeah so do you want to maybe jump into what Bobe is exactly? Because I know we've been talking about all this different stuff. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you guys have so much cool stuff. Maybe you can just kind of go over, you know, all the different, you know, items that you guys sell. Oh, boy. Where do we start? Um, <laughs> so we started originally with just the water features. It was a plain stainless steel, uh, copper, different sort of scuppers that go on the side of pools. Uh, we started learning more and more about the manufacturing process when it came to having these things in a wall for basically life uh, and had to work and function do that. And we moved into the copper and stainless steel pots. Uh, then we got into fire and water pots. We were doing that. Um, we stuck with that for a number of years. Then we realized that to really go farther within our industry, we were going to have to take the manufacturing process farther and take the actual engineering process farther. It's not just a vessel to deliver water into septic. It had to function and had to look good and work. Everything had to work right on it so that the end customer was going to be happy with what it was going to be lasting also. So it was adapting new styles of welding to it. Um, but what ended up happening is that we kind of moved past the sheet metal and realized that when you're just doing sheet metal, you can do so much. But when you can do machining and sheet metal together, you can start building things that are much more innovative for our industry. So we dove into the actual process of machining. Um, I certainly wasn't machinist. I understood sheet metal. Uh, But we dove right into it. We bought a couple CNC machines. Um, We hired James, who's with us. And he was very, very green. But he he reminded me of myself when I was younger. Uh, he loved what he did. He was into it and he was a, he was a team player. So him and I worked together on the machining parts of it. Now we end up machining thousands and thousands and thousands of parts that are extremely intricate. Um, now we have a bunch of different, uh, CNC machines that all auto bar fed, uh, producing stuff, you know, throughout the night. Um, we have a CNC Swiss screw machine, 11 axis machine that, produces really intricate detailed parts at you know a very fast rate um our cnc mills 
our CNC four axis lays, um, we can do things that no other shop would really dream of even doing. And we can turn on a dime and make something to make it better and better and better because we can test it, we can watch it, and we can continue with it. So we got into much of the fire industry of it. And we started progressing how we did our fire rings and the fire lines and how it was all going to work together and making things very modular together. And then we got into the automatic ignition systems, learning how that was going to function, how it was going to work with us manufacturing, even the box that they fit in and how everything was going to go together to be a real modular unit and everything worked together. Um, and then we got into, you know, you start seeing what machining can kind of do for your facility. It makes you open up your mind a little bit to where, you know, sheet metal maybe can do a little differently. We end up getting a CNC turret punch press machine. This is a massive piece of equipment that is really fast, but it can do a lot more to the sheet metal portion of it. Makes things a lot more detailed than that. You know, so everything started being more computer controlled to allow us to be repetitive. So the guy that bought that pot two years ago, when he orders it, it's the same exact pot and it works and it functions just the same way. Because we'll have customers that say, you know, I bought a pot three years ago. It was totally custom. I have this other job that I really want it for pull it up, cut it out, weld together, and they get the, you know, they get what they originally had and they wanted it again for another part or their second home. You know, we loved it. We just want that same look. We have that. We can do that. Um, so the wow. processes were really beneficial to the end results for the customers by allowing us to just open our mind up to being able to build anything we really want to build. Definitely. And um, I know you guys do some other stuff like with the rain nozzles and stuff like that. That's got to be by far one of our favorite um, pieces that you have. The rain features, those are a very cool feature. Um, most of the time when you see a rain feature, if another company might do it, it's usually a box with holes punched in or drilled in it, and then the water comes out. Um, we try to take a much different approach and make it a true, true rain feature, what it, rain features are supposed to be. So we have a full internal machine manifold on the inside and then custom machine nozzles that run the entire length with double O-rings in them that are a conical shape. So it kind of compresses the water as it goes into it. So you can run these things at a very, very low pressure and it'll still be even to where you can get a true rain or you can run it at a much higher pressure, stick it up 20 feet in the air and realize you still have a full tube visual effect of water coming down. It's not rain anymore. It's almost jets. So we could do that. Um, and how do you how do you test all that stuff out? I just thought about that right now. I have a test tank in there. Uh, put our motors up to it, turn it on, and we start messing with it from there. So in prototyping, we we'll spend a lot of time on that, making sure it's going to run, it's going to run, it's going to run. You know, and so we have you know we have a new line that's coming out here shortly that we're having to make a whole different style of test tank for to test this new product on, um, so that we know it's going to function and work how it's supposed to work say there's a builder that comes in that wants, you know, something in particular, do you have to give them like certain specs on things as far as like plumbing and just kind of, you know, that side of it? Because you guys do so many different things that, you know, you, it's not like a plug and play. You gotta, there's other things that have to be done. You know, within our industry, there is actually a lot of talented people that really understand the plumbing aspect of it. Now we will tell them, you know, it does need to be looped. It does need to work like this. And then when it does that, it will function as it needs to function. So we will give them, especially on custom orders, <laughs> specifications. But on a lot of our products, how we internal manifold and baffle things, they can not get it really right and it will still function how it's supposed to function. Oh, that's cool. So tell me, what exactly does the process look like from, I mean, just starting from, wow, 
I got this great idea. You guys are at dinner and you have a great idea and you're like, we need to get to it. Like, what is, how does that even, how does that start? So we might start with a, just a quick jot down on paper concept. Um, this new line that I came up with, um, it was just one night sitting there kind of drawing stuff out trying to think a little bit differently on how fire and water should be used with a pool. I wanted something different, something different than you've ever seen. And I wanted to be, I wanted people to look at it and almost bring their eyes to it no matter what was happening. It was such a part of it. Um, so I drew it up. Then just a model, the idea. So, okay, that will work. Then I did a full engineer model within SolidWorks to where everything worked, how the flow would work, how the gas would come through it, how everything would do it there. Um, those pieces are much thicker, so I put that on the water jet. We cut it out. And then I've been spending my days in the shop uh, welding everything up. Um, I love the welding. I love being in there. I love being around the guys that are welding. I love chatting with them out in the shop, but I love sitting down and welding and actually fabricating the stuff. So this new line, I've been spending my days out in the shop uh, fabricating this stuff, getting it ready for testing, and then we'll uh, we'll probably test it all through in the next couple of weeks, and then it'll be handed over to Julie and the team inside for them to do all the marketing, the photos, and everything that needs to happen on their end. Part numbers, pricing, updating website. Right. And how do you get that? So do you wait till the end and you know that it's going to work that you actually build kind of the blueprint so no. that you can mass produce it? I do that always at the beginning because if it's, if it's not going to work at that point to be able to really produce a thing, then I'm going to figure it out right then rather than building something and try it. I, I do my full engineer drawings as if it's going to be production at the start. And if it doesn't end up working, well, then I probably learned a little bit more on the computer and I probably learned a little bit more in fabricating and then I moved on to the next thing. Okay. Because so, like, through that and the math, you can usually figure out whether that's going to work or not, I'm assuming. And then it's been, the first scupper was produced 20 years ago. So I've had so much time to understand how these water, how the water should flow, uh, how the gas should run. Um, so much time has been spent just hands-on doing it that... I get a really good idea once I start doing the simulation, the computer, how things should run and how they will run at the end. Nice. And I've seen a lot of your stuff on that. It's like architectural binder um, that's on the bottom of your website where you can really, yeah, catalog. um, And you can really see the specs of everything and really high, yeah, high res photos and things like that. Um, I thought that stuff was really cool, but I couldn't help but think, do you guys ever get nervous that, you know, somebody else could, you know, kind of see that blueprint or those high res photos and different things like that and try and, you know, we don't really ever stress that kind of stuff because we're like, anybody can see anything. Yeah. It takes a whole another person to actually do it. And they can maybe have a successful season of us, them copying us, but they can't do that every, the every season. The not there. Exactly. No. We, we run into that. I mean, you can, you can look at what we've been doing for a really long time. And then there's plenty of companies that will do ours to a T. They'll even call them the same exact thing. They will almost the same exact part numbers, but change maybe one letter. Um, there's a number of companies that will do that. But the deal is, as we see it, is that they had to come and copy. And they truly had to do that to where, you know, for me, uh, go at it. I mean, we're always a few steps ahead. So... Sometimes it's irritating, but we'll see that at a, at a show and, you know, you just kind of embarrass them with the new stuff because they're still on the old. Right. I mean, you, you can, 
we have such an eye for the products that we make because we are true manufacturers and engineers that it's easy for us to, you know, right, there's knockoffs everywhere in every, in every business, um, but it's easy for us to look at another product and say, X, Y, and Z are not right, and it's going to fail because X, Y, and Z. Um, and I think it probably irritated us a lot more in the beginning, um, but we have a really solid foundation of with our products and with the manufacturing process, and there's so much that we have planned for the future that um, we just focus on our work and on making it better and bigger and um, kind of leave everybody to their own devices. Yeah. Have you ever had to like compete with those where somebody's on a project and they're saying, you know, this is the exact same thing and they're way cheaper or something like that? We rarely, most people that use our product use it for a reason because it has worked for them for years and they know us or they know, you know, the people in the company. And so there's a lot of confidence in that. Um, If push comes to shove on a job and they're really crunching numbers, we'll go to bat for the customer as much as we can, but because we want you to have our product, we don't want you to have to put that on because we know this part's going to fail in a couple of years and then it's going to make you look bad. So um, we always try to work with our builders for whatever budget it is. And that's what's nice about being able to manufacture it in our facility is that we're not relying on parts coming from somebody else and we can say, well, this is your budget. Well, let's modify it this way and cut down on costs and labor and let's get it into your budget so you can have a really quality product and you're not you know, trying to knock down the price. Oh, that's awesome. So are you uh, manufacturing these items and they're going to certain distributors or are they going to builders? How does that how does that production, how does that look? It Both. So um, a lot of our products move through distribution. Um, and then we've got a lot of builders that um, that do, you know, it's like the really custom work like that Bermuda Fountain where you've got to be on site. You've got to be hands-on and you have to be in the middle of it to do. Um, so we've got a couple of different moving parts of the business when it comes to that. Okay. So you'll just go out to the site with them and they'll just kind of give you an idea of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um and then you can make a custom piece. Yeah. Yes. Or they'll send us pictures from House or Pinterest or, you know, Architectural Digest, something that they've seen and they want to, you know, replicate. Or they'll send – people have mailed us hand sketches on a napkin <laughs> in the mail. And uh, we'll, go off of, we'll go off of that. So it's like if they can at least give us a semblance of what they want to create, then Chris can kind of take it from there and ask the right questions to get them what they're looking for. Yeah, and I think um, – Things like how um, how's coming out is so important because I'm on there quite a bit and it's really motivating and inspirational to look at some of those things. And you can actually kind of see where we're going. Um, it was kind of more minimal, but I think you guys did something in Beverly Hills, like 90210 yeah. area. And uh, there was a really cool feature there. Is and it a was, big bowl? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The scalloped edge lip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was on house and I was just like, I don't know how much time you guys spend on there, but it's a really cool platform that I think for our industry, depending on what you do, especially the manufacturing side and, you know, giving people, you know, showing them what your work is worth. You know what I mean? That's a really good place for them to go on and and look at what you do. Um, Because there's people like us, especially where we can see stuff that you know, a lot of the builders here in Arizona are doing. And if they're on there, you get a really good idea of the style that they do. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You guys have Pinterest too? 
We do. <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see that link on the, on the website. That's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of little strong um, inspiration on there. Um, so the logistics as far as like overseas, do you guys do anything overseas? We do. Most of that, we've got distributors that specialize in exporting. So um, we try to focus on the manufacturing side and, you know, that's where our niche is and that's where we, our expertise is. So if we can focus on that and then we can let the, you know, the distributors that work a lot overseas um, on the handle the exporting side of it, then that allows us to focus on the manufacturing side. But it's we've had our I mean we've had our products they've gone to Guam, the Netherlands, South um, Africa, South Africa, the East. Mm-hmm. all over. It's it's Finland, all over. It's been really neat to see. Yeah, and so why is that so important, you guys? That this stuff is actually made in the USA. I mean, it must be a good feeling to know that you're manufacturing things here yeah. in USA and shipping it to them, opposed to being the mm-hmm. other way around. Third generation, yeah, manufacturer and. So it's been it's been ingrained. We just we both knew that is a hundred percent. We want to have an American made product that was really important to both of us. And I think we've seen over the years how that has positively impacted the community and the economy when you can make everything in the United States. But the quality control is a huge part of that as well. The creativity aspect for Chris being able to have an idea and the next day have you know, a working component of it and test it out that allows him to fuel that passion. Um, and that drive that keeps you going. And people have really, I think have grown to have a much uh, more solid respect for it. And we have people that look for it now. Yeah. But it's not just the American made, it's more American made in our factory. So a lot of components might be American made, but there might be a company here, but they make it over here, here and here. And all they do is really put it in a package. Um, to be a true American-made but manufactured in our own facility um, with our employees, uh, it's a, I think it's, it's important. And there's something there to the family down there working together to, to make this product. Right. There's a difference between made in the USA and assembled in the USA. For Most sure. definitely. <laughs> I've, re- I've read enough about that. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool hearing your story now because I remember I made a product um, a while back ago. I made custom face masks for motorcycle enthusiasts and things like that. And I was all about everything b- being made in the USA. I-, I mean, I still was till the end, but I was having other people mass produce this, mass produce this in LA, and they would keep getting things wrong. And I finally would get the process right, but there'd still be mess ups in there. And it's times like this talking to you that it's like, you know what? That's why you have to really master your craft so that you know how to do it yourself and you teach other people how to do it just like you. Mm -hmm. And you create that culture and have everybody around you in your facility. And that's how, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because what, why should I think that those people in that factory, you know, mass producing all different types of cut and sew are going to care about it the way that I do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I definitely have a ton of respect for what you do because it's not it's not easy having the idea and mastering that craft and keeping everything in-house and shipping it out. I mean, it's it's born mm-hmm. and everything yeah. grown up and left, you know, right. from your brain right. all the way out to, to where it's going. Mm-hmm. And you guys touch every piece, right? Mm-hmm. Why what is if? that? Why is that so important to you? You have to, I mean, even the guys in our shipping department, um, 
they have certain standards and every single thing they have to look at, they measure it, um, they make sure it's, it's spot on. Uh, that way, the end result with the customers that they're they're happy with what they get, they're excited about it, and they're it works. It's not they didn't see it and they want that, then it came and it's not really that. It needs to be what they see. Yeah. And so with the guys in the shipping department being able to put their hands on it, look at it, measure it, you know, every single scupper it comes up there, it's measured. Every single pot, it's measured. So there's a lot of that that happens just so making sure this is right, this is right, this is right because a lot of stuff it might be custom. So you have a pot that's not your standard 24 by 24 pot. It ends up being 38 and a half by 62 and three quarter, and they want it 17 and an eighth tall. Um, you have to have provisions for all that. So you got to make sure they got what they paid for. Very good. And can a lot of people just buy things straight up off the website? Nope, we don't sell anything on the website. So um, the website is, is geared toward education and um, getting people familiar with the product line and kind of opening everybody's eyes up to what the possibilities are. So um, we have a couple of brochures that when I talk to builders, this is what you want to have in the hands of your homeowners because they're at the stage where they are excited. They are they're, they're going to put money into their backyard. They're going to invest in this, and they are, want to see pictures and ideas and put this in front of them so that they can the wheels can start to turn and they can say, I love that rain feature. How can we incorporate that? Or I definitely want a water and fire pot. Or instead of a tile spillway from the spot of the pool, I want a copper spillway so you get that nice lip and the water coming off the front. You don't get that calcium buildup that you guys right. are sure are familiar with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And was that a big investment for you guys putting um, – time and money into your website because I've seen a lot of websites. I do the back end of ours and some other ones before, and I can tell that yours is very responsive, very well put together. I can tell that there's, there was a lot yeah. that went into it. <laughs> our website and our catalog, we've yep. got an amazing um, public relations and marketing company. Shout out to MMPR marketing. They That's have, your husband's company, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and my mom's. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, we're crazy. <laughs> yeah, making moves. I love right? it. I love it. <laughs> um, yep. My mom started it. Our mom started it about 20, 21 years 21 ago. Years ago. Oh, and, wow. Um, and so they've, they took our last website to the next level. They took our, our last catalog. Our catalog has always been a labor of love because there are so many part numbers and there are so many moving parts. Um, and they really helped those two components match who we are and what, what we want to show people. And a lot, we talked about your branding and, and they kind of helped us pull all that together and, and create something. Yeah. So just kind of growing up in, I guess, kind of that marketing atmosphere, did it make you aware of the benefits of having a really good website with all the different you know, all the content, your mission statement, the products even shows, you know, the new 2018 line. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really crazy because I know there's some really successful companies out there, especially in, um, the same kind of sector you're in that have really outdated sites and addresses aren't right. And all kinds of things aren't correct. <laughs> and it's really crazy that, you know, some companies that are even that big don't take it no. as serious. It's a lot. I mean, it's a, it really is a lot to manage. You think yeah. of you think of one change in a product and how many things need to change in order to keep up with that one change so that everything matches. Um, but really, I mean, the, a lot of the credit goes to our amazing team, internal and external, that that can turn those wheels quickly because we move so fast and things change so fast that everybody's got to be on board 
you know, to make it happen. So there's a little synergy. Yeah, they kill it. And it's, you know, for being a family business and you guys doing everything, I mean, it's just crazy that from thinking of it, manufacturing, beautiful website, um, even all the social media, like it's just everything, you know, is that you just have everybody in the right place and, you know, keep a really good eye, you know, bird's eye view of pretty much everything, but obviously, you know, you're more connected to something Mm -hmm. and so are you. Yeah, and there's some overlap with us too when it comes to that. I mean, when it comes to the big picture, yeah, all these part, all these moving parts play into the big picture. So I think we both kind of keep our hands on it, and it's you're you're all, you're thinking of everything from A to Z all the time, and so you kind of cycle through everything from the office of social media to you know to human resources, to whatever it is. Um, so you're constantly keeping tabs on everything, and inevitably something pops into your mind, and we'll say. Oh, we haven't done that or we haven't thought about that or we haven't put our energy into that. Let's, we need to, we need to, let's focus on that route and we'll talk with our team and, and, you know, figure out how we're going to be able to execute that. What's up guys. Thank you for listening so far. When we get back, we will jump into some social media discussions. Some of it about our main man, Gary V. Um, you know, we've learned a lot from him and we kind of discuss how he motivates us. We talk about how you have to unplug sometimes and figure out a way to, get rid of that creative block, you know, and work on the business instead of in the business. Um, we get into some cool stuff on Bobe's, you know, new auto ignition system and their mission statement and how that drives their company. Also, you know, we talk about their biggest failures and the hustle and grind it took to create their business. So there's a lot more to come on this episode, but first I want to read an Apple podcast review from Rick at Pearl Pool Service. He says, information is power. This podcast has a real chance to change the industry, especially the culture. As the guys on Pool Chasers have talked about a few times already, there is no formal pool service industry training. Those with questions are embarrassed to ask questions, and those with the experience are not always willing to share. There are plenty of pools out there for everyone, and if we share knowledge and experience, we can raise the standards of the industry together. Pool Chasers podcast is a must-listen for service companies and those with a love for the pool industry. Thanks, Rick. We totally agree. And that is the main reason we started the podcast in the first place. So we're glad you guys are jumping on board with that. And hopefully we can change that culture. If you guys could take some time out of your day to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, we would truly appreciate it. Also, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll get notified every time we release a new episode. So that's the best way to keep in touch with us and keep listening to those new episodes. So hit subscribe and we will jump right into it after a word from our sponsor. What's going on, everybody? This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is by far our favorite tool for collecting deposits, payments, scheduling customer jobs, and assigning tasks to a specific person on our team. If you're looking for a better way to stay organized, this is it. I don't even know how we did things before Jobber. If you have any questions, their customer service team is out of this world. Jobber is so cool that they are hooking up all of our listeners with a free 14-day trial. Just visit getjobber.com backslash pool chasers. That's getjobber.com backslash pool chasers. Try it out. We promise you won't be disappointed. Definitely. And you, um, do you handle the social media? Mm-hmm. Yep. For the most part, I handle it. Um, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. YouTube, um, all that. You handle all that? Yeah. I handle most of it. So we also work with um, a videographer um, that does shoots our videos. That works very close with Chris. and um and then we've got uh, megan in our office helps helps with the social media so it's i mean there's working a lot of moving parts that work with it 
That's that's really yeah. cool. And it's super difficult staying on top of the social media because if you and that's what I do. And sometimes it's a little bit stressful because especially for you guys, your company is moving so fast and you're doing so many awesome things, but you have so many responsibilities that you're like, you're trying to keep up and it's like, damn, like I'm trying yeah. to show you guys what I'm, what we're doing, but right. we don't, I don't have enough hands and hours and all these different things. So, you know, do you find it, you know, is it hard for you in a way? hundred percent it is. Um, and, and, and there's times it's like anything where you get really energized about it and then you kind of take your eye off it because 20 other things are calling for your attention. Um, but we, we do try to you know, as best as we can maintain that social media because it's really fun for people to see what we do is fun and, and we enjoy it and we want people to get that from our social media. That's the easiest place for you to get it. On a website, you have a really good feel for the products that we make and the dimensions and the specifications. But on the Instagram, you can see a little bit more of our personality. We yeah. had a football player that was building a, was building a pool and, and he said, I, I'm buying the pots from you guys because – I went on your social media account. You guys just seem like a really cool company. You seem like you're having a lot of fun. I saw the About Us on your website, and I just really dig what you guys are doing and have created, and that's why I'm going to put your product on my pool. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is very awesome. You know, talking about social media, um, you know, that's how we kind of connected in the beginning because weren't you guys talking about Gary through mm -hmm. on Instagram or at Long Beach or something? I think we had talked about it through a DM and then, yes. and then through and then yeah. Instagram more often <laughs> because, you know, some of our posts included some of his sayings and phrases. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, has that been an influence on you as far as an entrepreneurial spirit and with that marketing side? Cause a lot of what he does is, is the marketing stuff mm -hmm. and he teaches you how to do things and tells you how to do certain things. And I think one of his biggest things we talked about earlier was you can, you know, I heard it even today. I heard him when I was listening to it, he said, um, Somebody asked him like, "Why you give everything for free? What? Why is everything for free?" Because he's because because nobody ninety nine percent of people can't do it. Even if I tell them to do it, right. ninety nine percent of people can't do it. And that's the same thing. That's what we when we created the podcast. Like we really thought like, well, I don't know if we want to share this part of our business or share these things that we use or these tools mm -hmm. that we use because it might they might that might come yeah. back to bite us. But really. Yeah, I can tell you everything doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can do it. And I think that's Absolutely. one of the coolest parts about like about him. What do you, what has been influence on you? One of my favorite slogans is Nike's just do it. And I think that Gary exemplifies that to a T. So when he talks he's just, he's all energy. He's, he's all in on everything. And, and he has such a passion and, a, and a hardcore spirit for what he does. I wish, I wish everybody could, absorb that into their life into whether it's in their relationships or into their work, because it's like when you find that, that niche, your passion, and then it's, it's, there's an ease to it. Once you find that, um, that's for me, that's, that's, what's really inspirational. He found his niche and he's, you know, he's driving that lane hard. Yeah. I think you, when you were talking about your, um, intuition earlier, I think that's probably, I, that's what I thought when you were talking about it was kind of more how he pushes mm -hmm. that. Um, and he pushes like, figuring out exactly how you do things and what makes you happy and mm -hmm. how you move and motivate. And that's, what, that's, what's so cool about all that. And the honesty is a big part of that too. So I think when he breaks it down, he says, you've got to be honest with yourself. You have to be able to look at yourself and say, 
are these my best attributes? And is this, you know, is this going to exemplify those attributes of mine and, and these interests and these passions? Because if it's not, then you've got to go to another route. You just don't, you know, don't do it just because you really have to have it in your heart and soul to go after it and to be successful at it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and I think just listening to him is pretty inspirational. I haven't listened to too much anymore because he just he's like Sports Center. He gives me the hi- <laughs> he gives me the highlights of what yeah. I need to know. Um, but it's really cool because he's so honest that he'll tell you like if you're listening to this every day or this and that like you're not doing your job. Yeah. Like you need to go right. out there and make shit happen. <laughs> right. But even though we know it's like he's exaggerating a little bit because right. it's like some of these are only five ten minutes long or whatever. Um, but it's pretty cool for someone to be that honest. And to just try and teach and show you to be really aggressive with it, mm-hmm. um, especially with the marketing side of it. And I wish somebody would kind of talk more about because he's really aggressive with the social media. But I think it takes a really special person or company to bring those two worlds together where you bust your ass and you know how to manufacture something and the marketing side is on point And then they merge together because I think that is I think that is extremely difficult to have both of those on point. And there's usually most people that are like better at one than the other. Mm-hmm. Crazy good branding company. Not, right. not so good. It's kind of a shit show. Yeah. You know, and then vice versa. I need those. Yeah. You've got to have those two moving parts. I mean, to really have that, that synergy that everybody wants. Yeah. I think, um, you know, he, I use it and I think you used to use it the same way, like just as like a encyclopedia almost too. Cause he'll just, he talks about stuff all the time and I have no idea what it is. Yeah. And then I'll just like look it up. And I'm like, Oh man, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it. Like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And you know, it, it's just an information. He's full of it all the time. Oh yeah. It's, it's like news channel for sure for yeah. marketing and social media and what products are coming up. It talks about, um, like the Alexa skill stuff where that's going to be in, you know, maybe some years, Talk about VR, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've gotten kind of into that. I mean, just kind of dissecting it and looking into it. I think it's very interesting, especially for education. Um, but he's super honest about that too because he's like, yeah, VR is awesome, but it's five years away. Like you you think you're putting – don't put like 100% into it because people aren't going to jump on board. That's not how like reality works. You can't just come out with a product and boom, everybody does mm-hmm. it. I think yeah. that stuff is cool because some people just go 100% into one thing and it's like that's five years away. Yeah, it takes a long time and that's definitely a product too that they were saying it'll become popular but they haven't really found a good way for that industry to make a lot of money mm-hmm. besides if you just make the goggles but it's only going to be the the samsungs and the apples and the different right. bigger brands that do that kind of stuff so trying to figure out it's like yeah this will be cool and everyone could be doing <laughs> it but who's making money right like you know what i mean um yeah, he's crazy now he's building a, a twitch studio which is like a gaming audio he just does whatever he wants. He does. <laughs> whatever he thinks, whatever he thinks is like the next big thing. Like he's seen people moving onto Twitch now and that's a social media platform for like gamers. I don't know if probably haven't really heard of it cause it's not like popular yet, but it's like people playing video games and recording themselves playing video games yeah. and having conversations on a social platform. And he's just going to, in his Vayner nation yeah. studio, he's just building a Twitch studio wow. just so he can like have people wow. come in and play video games, like just stuff like that. He's, he's crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's all over the place. I tell him that same thing. I'm like, man, he just moves, 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 but it's cool. Yeah. And that's one way to stay inspired and get motivated and stuff. Is there anything you do, Chris? Um, you you a big podcast listen? No, I'm not. I um, <laughs> for me the time in the shop 
or in front of the computer designing. Um, th- that's what I enjoy. Uh, I learned to truly just love it. I love working. I'm a workhorse. Like I can do it and I can just work nonstop. Uh, you know, when I speak to some customers that are into what, you know, there's inspiration back there too, cause they're, they're excited about what they have. Um, but you know, then the off time for me, like, uh, going out on the dirt bike or the razor on the weekends with the family and enjoying you still there's there's inspiration kind of anything you do for what you do and there's goals that you meet and try to try to attain that and so for me it's more it's always kind of been within myself in a way that you you look for it and you try to find it and then you try to elevate what you're doing currently into some other level that you do that's really cool. And I know we were talking before we actually started recording about a trip you took to Alaska or yeah. Canada. Yeah, up to uh, Alaska. I uh, took a 690 uh, KTM Enduro bike, uh, put all my gear on it, rode it up from here all the way up to uh, Alaska up there and back, camped the whole way, went fly fishing. Uh, it, was a, it was an unreal trip. Did a lot of it off-road, all backcountry stuff. Um, saw cool parts of the country. Uh, had some really cool rides just within the ride. Um, being in the middle of nowhere by myself for a few days was really fun. No, it was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, you did it all by yourself too. You camped out, you did everything by yourself. I started out with a buddy of mine until his bike, uh, broke and, uh, we were in the middle of nowhere when it initially broke. Um, we got a tow truck way on a reservation in Canada uh, I think they got into us at about two in the morning. Um, they could only put his bike up there. So I left while they started loading it up, uh, hit a mountain pass. It started snowing on me on the mountain pass. I pulled over cause the snow was so thick on the ground that it was getting really slippery. Uh, I waited for a big 18 wheeler to pass me as soon as it did. Got on the gas. I got right in his track, uh, right behind him. So the wind wouldn't affect me. And I stayed maybe two to three foot off his rear bumper in his little clearing where there's no snow uh, for maybe two and a half hours till I hit the next town. Then uh, slept uh, in a parking lot, waited for my buddy to get there, and then his bike was done. So he said, oh, enjoy. So the rest of the time I did the next maybe 8,000 miles by myself. It was a, it was a cool experience. Wow. That's, that is... I'm just putting that, like picturing that in my head. That is so much. And I know we were talking a little bit more earlier too about you're kind of a little bit more disconnected in in terms of uh, like social media and different things like that. Um, Do you find that kind of difficult or is that just in you to just work hard? It's just kind of you and your family um, and and the work. I mean, I love that people are in it. I just don't have much interest in it. Um, I think I've always kind of been like that. Uh, I think it's great for the company. I love, you know, I always tell them, hey, put this online, put this online. You know, I, I love putting it out there because I like people's responses. I enjoy what people have to say. And then it might get them thinking for something they want. But uh, for me, it just doesn't do anything for me. Sure. So. And that's, I kind of admire that to a certain degree, especially for what I do is because you are not distracted because it is a huge distraction. You can really fall deep into that rabbit hole. And I don't really, I have my personal, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, but I'm never really, I'm never on it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm so used to just handling 
the business side and then jumping right back out. Um, cause it's really hard I've seen a lot of crazy family situations, um, where they just spent way too much time on social media and it, you know, breaks families apart. You know, I think that has a lot to do with why some families don't meet up like they used to. It's cause it's like, why we got to meet up? I, I can see everything you're doing. I just hop on Facebook. Yeah. You want to have dinner? Let's put on the video camera. <laughs> we'll do a video. We'll do a live video. Show put me that, what you ate. Yeah. FaceTime. Bring me something home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I think that's very interesting. Just, um, not having any of that because it plays such a huge role in, uh, modern day society is to be on that stuff just 24 seven. Oh, I read something years ago and it said, um, do you remember when we used to go out to dinner, uh, take pictures of our food, get it developed, then go around to our friend's house and show them what we ate. <laughs> and uh, kind of sums it up because no one really cares in a way. Uh, but, you know, I think there, it is fun. There's some innovative stuff that people, they like to post. Just like I like our company to post. Uh, and I think that gets people thinking and they seek some cool stuff and they, you know, it might inspire them to also do something. Um I think that's fantastic, and I think it's it's part of our world, and it works, and it, it's it's a necessity, I think, at this point, because it does make things work, and I think it does make things work more efficiently if you use it right. So for our company, I think it's fantastic. People that use it, I mean, go for it. Just for me, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not into it. Yeah, it allows you, it allows you to touch all different parts of the country and different mm-hmm. countries. And that's why it's so cool for business. Yeah. Um, and it's also why it's a little scary for personal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, definitely a balance in that, but for business and it's, it's definitely a must. And I'm sure for you, what you guys do, mm-hmm. you know, because it's such a cool thing to look at and features and people can see it from across the country or things that you would never touch before. Yeah. Cause you know, back in the day you couldn't, somebody in Florida probably would, very difficult for them to see your products, right. you know, unless they flew to Arizona and looked at them and heard about you or something. Exactly. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Back in the day, you actually had to be good. Like, <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> like really good because, you know, when you're relying on word of mouth, you know, you got to be good. That's yeah. all there is to that. <laughs> What's fun ta- too about social about media is that we get to show a lot more about our shop and what we're producing because with the website, it's so much more calculated and it's very product specific driven on social media. We can see something cool going through the shop or somebody welding a really interesting piece or somebody polishing and take a quick picture or a video and throw that up there. And, and that's where a lot of the innovation, people get exposed to a lot more of the innovation and kind of the behind the scenes. But it might also be Conrad super excited about right. his Cobra shirt. Yeah, and so yeah, he exactly. wants to put it <laughs> yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, the shirt I fell shirt. in love with. Yeah. I was like, dude, that was rad. The Cobra shirt's awesome. We had a request to, to come out with some ladies Cobra shirts. So oh, yeah. we've got those on order now. <laughs> yeah, nice. And it's like that Heather texture. I mm-hmm. think that's, it goes with that um, yeah. logo. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, do you guys do anything special? Because I feel like get asked this quite a bit, um, especially for me, is like, what do you do when you get into that, um, when you have that creative block? Because I think, I mean, maybe you don't ever run into that, but I like to think of myself pretty creative, but there's times when you just kind of like hit a wall. And I think it's because you might be overwhelmed with different mm-hmm. things. And you're just like, dude, I got to keep innovating. I got to be different. Like, how do I do that? Is there anything that either one of you do to kind of 
just kind of get past that block? Do you kind of like, man, I got to go for a run or I got to, I got to go walk my dog. Is there like something that kind of, you know, get you out of that funk? For me, it's five years ago. I, I kind of felt like I was in no man's land with the business. We were at a really interesting point in the company and I, there was a lot I knew I didn't know I needed to know. And I joined a business group. And so once a month, um, I meet with the colleagues in that group and it's a whole day that I'm out of the office and, and I'll, you know, really, no matter what's going on, it, I, I pretty much every single month I'm, I'm there for that meeting. And by the end of the day, because I've let my mind relax and not be so in the middle of everything, I have ideas and lists and, and things that I had forgotten about two months ago that I wanted to try or whatever it is. And it really, it's amazing when you let your mind relax and not be so ingrained in the day to day, how much can flood in for the positive that then you can kind of take that in and recharge. But those days for me once a month is, is really huge for allowing me to consistently recharge and um, re-energize. Nice. I think what Michael said in that his podcast too was like, you got to take time to work on your business and mm -hmm. not in your business. That's exactly it. And I loved that he said that because I, I've heard it before, but I, I really like that saying because most people can't do that. Mm -hmm. You can't disconnect. And, but when you do, you definitely get a lot yeah. of good stuff out of it. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What do you think? I will design and engineer something, uh, for a completely different industry that we may never build or have a part of. Um, something that I might not know anything about and I will put time and effort and research and I will develop something that we will never make, never do, or it might never see the light of day, but I'll spend time doing that. Um, and sometimes when I do that, it kind of opens the door to something that maybe I didn't think of or might not have considered. Um, and it might be something that we will build, you know, like James and I right now are building a, billet uh intake manifolds for our yxz's um just because that's something different to do and it does make you think oh you know we machine it like that actually we're watching airflow there's not a big difference in gas what if we did a manifold like this um it opens you up to different thinking in a whole you know we're not going to sell that but we just did it and it makes you look at stuff differently yeah and are you guys pushing out a line every year like a new line every year Pretty much. There's yeah. new stuff. I mean, there's definitely new stuff every single year. Yeah. We might take a year and kind of take our current product and realize, okay, we have new equipment. Here's how we could make that a little bit better. Um, you know, this year we'll have a, a new ignition system, auto ignition system that is light years ahead of what we've done in the past and what's out there. Um, total different look to how auto ignition systems work, how they function. And it's a very, very ground up rethought of what is supposed to be and what it should be. Um, so that's something I know this year, a new line of, uh, and that's turning stuff on by, by a switch or a control. It'll all be through our own proprietary app that we okay. develop that nice. will, um, allow them to use their fire feature. Um, but in a much more detailed fashion and allow not just a homeowner to be able to use it, but it will hook up to our network. So mm -hmm. now troubleshooting, uh, everything becomes much more tangible that was never tangible before within the fire feature industry. Right. So it's a, a complete rethink um, on so how it should be done. You're developing that app now or you already have? Uh, everything should be, all the prototypes will be done in three weeks. 
uh, and it will go right into production shortly after that. Nice. So you don't currently have an app that runs any other no, we'll, that's just That's a new, whole new thing? Whole new thing from the ground up that we did. Awesome. Yeah, so that, that will be a really interesting uh, product coming out. And then we have a new line of uh, fire water features that are coming out that completely different than what we do currently for a whole different market within our industry. Gorgeous. Um, and just much, much different thoughts on what fire could do and what water could do and how they work together. Nice. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm excited about that line. Yeah. They're beautiful. Can you talk about the um, the grass edge features? Because I've only seen those a few times, and I think they're pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, the popularity of those is, is, is finally really, kind of hitting yeah. its stride. Um, Brian Van Bauer and I got together a number of years ago to come up with a way of making it really function. The idea has been there, but to make it truly functional to where – they worked in the hot and the cold. Uh, there's no distortion in metal throughout it. Um, we what really worked. What is it exactly? So what it does is it allows the pool water to be the same height and right butt up next to natural gas uh, or fake grass or anything like that to where it's almost a seamless divide between the grass and the water. Um, it just flows together. So... Originally, it was just for grass, but what we're finding is that people are using around the perimeter of their pools to get that look. So they're putting concrete, tile, wood in these stainless steel trays that we make that are extremely heavy duty um, to where, you know, anyone could stand on that very edge of this thing, jump in the pool, and there will be no distortion within the metal. Um, They hold their shape, and they do their job exactly what they should do. It's a... And then we can fit any pool from radius pools to straight to corners to anything like that. So now the imagination with the designer and pool builders uh, can go much farther in what they're doing because of how the manufacturing took place in this product. So you're so it can basically take place of like travel travertine or the coping, coping, the like coping. other things like yeah. that. You can just go straight from grass to water. Yeah, exactly. same level, same everything. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. It's beautiful. Yeah seems like pool designs are going, you know, kind of, there's always a hybrid, but right now they're tending to lean toward more minimalist and mm-hmm. sleek, um, seemingly minimalist because the grass edge, there's a lot that goes into right. it. Um, or you've got the pools that have like all the fun and all the energy that of the fire and the water features bring. Um, so it's nice that we have products that can you know, tailor to the different styles. What kind of market do you find those like grass edge going into? Is that more of a like high end market or what do you think it gears towards? They're more high end. However, some of the designers that don't traditionally do really high end pools love it so much that they're adopting it. But instead of doing it on all four sides, they're bringing it into one side of the pool. So you have this really clean entrance, but then you have, you know, the other, the other parts of it where you don't have that, you know, that aspect, but you still get that nice, big, clean entrance to the pool with a grass edge. Nice. Um, do you have a, have you done a big project here in Phoenix with that? All of our projects have been out of state, um, California and, Texas, Texas, Florida. Florida. Um, I think New York. Yeah. Um, do you go there specifically? No. Um, normally, do the, the, these types of pools, they'll send us their files. I'll take their, their file. I'll model the pool on SolidWorks. I will put the grass edge all the way around it on SolidWorks so it gives them a map of how to install it on site. 
So they basically have the, the plans, they have the parts, and then we ship them out like that. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a heavy-duty thing. I mean, a 10-foot piece of this, I think, is around 350 pounds. So it's, it's a heavy-duty piece. Nice. And you guys are just selling the, the metal part of it, right? And they have to do all the rest themselves. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a part of the pool that uses that edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that last show, we had a gentleman flew in from Hawaii specifically to see that. Um, he wanted to see it, touch it, see what it's about, and end up getting it for his own personal house uh, in Hawaii. In Long Beach? The yeah, the Long Beach The one you built in Long Beach? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that that, that was there. You put that on that display? The yeah, it was, it was right in the center of the display when you walked up. Oh, a little yeah, 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 the middle piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one we stood around talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I do remember it now that you say that. So in your guys' mission statement, you talk about having a passion for innovation, simplicity, and all that good stuff. Um, what does that mission statement mean to you? Is everybody on board with it? Absolutely. I'd say um, innovation is at the forefront of our company. It's, it's, it's the foundation of our company is the innovation. Um, that's why we've invested in the equipment that we have. Um, that's why Chris puts all of his time and energy into creating and retooling and refining our products. But I think at the same, by the same token, we, we try to keep things simple to a degree and not overcomplicate products or processes for that matter. Yeah. Did you do anything special um, to actually create that mission statement? Cause I know we like went up to Flagstaff and did a whole thing to really try and figure out like who we really are and what mm-hmm. we're really trying to do. Um, did you do anything special? Yeah. We've been creating that mission statement for <laughs> a year now. Yeah. <laughs> I believe on ours though. I mean, it came out after a little bit of time, you know, we had to see what we were and we had to see where we were going to understand that. Okay. It's one thing I think to put out a mission statement and say, okay, this is what we are. But if you haven't really done enough to, uh, to own it, then I don't, I don't know how much weight there is behind it. And so for us, we had to, we had to work at a bust our ass. We had to have some pitfalls and to understand like, this is how we're going to do it. And this is what we're going to stick with in our, in our plan. Yeah, that's true. You really have to go through all that stuff, you know, especially in the beginning, you guys probably wasn't, you know, a hundred percent clear as to what direction you were going to go into. But once you figured that out and do you find that when you actually made that mission statement that it was that valuable? It felt, it felt really true to who we were and who we are at the now. Um, And so when you walk into our office, that's the first thing you see is we've got a big sign up that, you know, says why we're here and what we're doing. That's really um, and cool. So it's a reminder for everybody as well. How did you guys create it? It really, it was just, it, we didn't go on a retreat or anything. It, for me, it was just, I knew we had to have a way to describe the company and ourselves um, that didn't take 15 minutes and didn't take somebody <laughs> going through the website. And I just try to think about what was at the heart of what we were doing and, and what we wanted to continue to to produce. And um, did you guys bounce ideas back and forth about that and just try to figure out those two words? And we had a couple, but I think it it, it really comes down to that we wanted to be a true company that manufactured and just didn't there was more behind our manufacturing than just there's a piece of equipment that produces it. I mean, we really 
took our time and tried to make it better and better and better. And, you know, if you saw a progression from just one product to the next, the next, it did get better. And the same product then got better and better and better as we had to innovate to make it what we truly thought we would stand behind and be part of what we are. But we didn't want it to be so convoluted and so many different avenues coming out of one thing. There has to be simplicity in, in what you're doing or you'll get lost in it. I remember being in Vegas in the early years and they've got crazy water features there and fire features. And I knew this is at the very beginning. So I knew what we were creating. I knew what we were, the direction we were trying to go. I remember sitting there at the base of one of these amazing water features and thinking, why can't this be transformed into a backyard? Why, why can't it be brought into somebody's backyard, um, into their pool area, um, to create that ultimate backyard experience. And, and I think after really thinking of that and, and thinking of what Chris can create, I thought it absolutely can. There's no reason why if you have a pool, you can't amplify it just like you do your home, just like you do your car. It's something that you spend a lot of time and energy and, and money in and on. And and that was, for me, was a big turning point that this absolutely is achievable and it's absolutely achievable for people that have a pool or that want to have a pool to be able to make it bigger and better and awesome so you have a like a destination in your backyard. That's what's been really fun to see come out of everything. The second half of that, the simplistic part, um, I kind of interpreted that to where you guys – because I think there's something – when we talk to our guys about like cleaning a pool and like there's there's a certain spot where you have to look at it and be like – it's done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can't, if you keep going, right. you spend 30, 40 minutes cleaning every tiny little thing, one little piece, like you're just wasting time. And I think there comes a point, is that kind of what, you know, maybe I'm way off, but is that kind of what the simplicity part means? Like you get it to a certain point where it's perfected to you and then like let it go. I think it kind of goes hand in hand though with the idea of innovating something too. So if you kind of stall out with what you're doing, and you don't, so you say, you know, this is going to be, the, this is it. We're, let's focus on something, this is it. That's not forever. That might be it for a little time, but then something you did over here, some sort of innovation you made, you might be able to say, like, that truly wasn't it. And this is how this could be better. And we thought, you know, three rings ago, that's perfect. We don't need it. That, that ring will be it. But then we, we got a new piece of equipment. We started doing how water flow. We thought, wait, this, is, this would be better here too. And so we innovate that. So, yeah, you get a you get a point where you should say, I'm, I'm happy with that. But that doesn't mean you're scratching your head and you're going nuts thinking this this is it. This is going to be it. And I'm going to define it as this is it. Uh, for me, too, that there might be something too simple about that. But you might be step away and innovate in a whole nother way and then come back to the idea that, no, this truly wasn't it. And here's how we can make it better for the end user. Yeah. And even the same product, you know, because your stuff is such so... It's like industrial made and it's just the color of everything. You know what I mean? It's just long lasting and you can perfect that all day long. You know what I mean? Every year you can come out with something that's just a little bit better, but it always has that simple look to it. So I think there's a lot to that and it's getting bigger, but I think there's something to the, the simple look but it's got this crazy function that will never fail on you. And I think a lot of people want that. I love that. I'm like a lot more function than, you know what I mean? I'll pay a lot more money for maybe even a black shirt that I know I'll wear for 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That just has a much better quality and just 
that ex- you get what you pay for, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you install it, and you enjoy it. <laughs> you don't have to go replace parts. You don't have to um, worry about it clogging. You know, you, that was our whole idea is you can install it and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, you even have videos of crazy winds going through, mm-hmm. and that, that fire is not going out. You know, <clears throat> one product we came out with was our Pure Flow Scupper. You know, it's uh, you looked at all the different scuppers, and there there's one that have a real micro thin sheet, almost like a blade coming out. And you guys been on enough pools where there's always something in them. You always have to mm-hmm. you know put something in there, maybe a flathead that will go in, take the small leaves out, and then they'll start flowing again. Calcium, the calcium, yeah. whatever. But it constantly builds up in them, and you're doing that. And, but it's a very popular thing, and a lot of pool companies that's their go to. Put this this thing up here, and it will it will work. It has to have an inline filter. It has all that. But it, it was it's simple. And the idea, it's a very thin sheet, pressurized water shooting out and making an arc. And that's how it will look. Um, that's great, but there's there's something far behind it. So we come out with a pure flow to really go up against that to where we engineer it to where same same idea, thin sheet of water, but it will never, ever clog. It will never warp. It will never change. So you will never have to clean this out. You don't need an inline filter. You don't need anything like that. And it will work as it's supposed to work. And the people at the end of the day are having something that isn't always going to be clogged, isn't always doing that. So it's something that was simple. You had to innovate it past to, to, to make it new. And so for that, you know, that was our pure flow we came out with just for that. Do you remember that one time we, we had that water feature and they were complaining about how it fell into the water? And we were like, we took these rocks and we like were placing rocks inside <laughs> it to make the water move like where we wanted it to go. Yeah, because she kept <laughs> complaining about the right one was like way different than the left one. And we like had to set these rocks up to make the water flow. <laughs> I think that's something you, similar to what you're talking about. Like, you have to just adjust these things and they're horrible. They built, you know, it was an older one. But did it take time to figure out how you guys were going to. Cause you're not from the pool industry. So mm-hmm. you had to learn that there's chlorine in the water. You have salt pools, you have all these different things and you're building something that's supposed to be there as long as the pool mm-hmm. is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And people don't, you know, remodel or rebuild a pool, you know, every five years, it's supposed to sit there hopefully forever yeah. for a long time. So was that an adjustment? Um, yeah. At the very beginning, um, my dad's pool saw a lot of features sitting in water around it, in it, around it, and sitting on the side of his pool, just basically being tested in that environment at the very beginning. Um, we did come up with a different process on our TIG welding and how it would function with copper. Um, how, you know, copper isn't a strong metal. It's not structural by any means. But there's a lot happening. you got to figure you're running a pump and you're running water through it. It's having a micro vibration the entire time in copper. It's not made to do that. Um, so there was techniques that we had to come up with and how we TIG weld them and, you know, how it actually comes together. Um, if you see some of our stainless steel stuff, it's all slotted and tabbed together much differently so that structurally it will work and do what it needs to do. Um, we just had our scuppers going out those... Uh, mirror finish style scuppers, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, people look at stainless steel and think it's going to rust. You know, they say, "Oh, if we use this grade, it won't rust." Uh, people look at like to passivate metal, but for me, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's another process that's well beyond uh, pa- the passivation process that is works for our industry much better. Um, so there's things that we had to come up with that we knew would work for other industries that would then easily work within ours. 
Right. And it's different everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, because your product is, you know, you can be in somewhere like Vegas here in Arizona, right. if it's going to Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things. You guys do a lot of stuff in California. I've seen some really mm-hmm. cool features that are, you know, right there next to the water. Yeah. All those different things play such a huge role. And I can't even imagine for manufacturing side because you have to really kind of contour it to, to the elements okay. and whatever is going on in that area. Um, so this leads me to our next question is, what do you think is your guys' biggest failure in Bobay? For me, it, I think it was not bringing more people on earlier. So I, I wish that we would have you know, started to build our team a little bit earlier, but there's so much trepidation and can we afford another person? What is that person's role going to be? Because everybody has to wear so many hats right now. There's not really a specific title for this role. And can we find a person that can do X, Y, and Z? Um, so for a lot of years I held off on hiring people, um, or just bringing on somebody, you know, that we knew or family member that we knew, um, because that was a lot easier to integrate them into it than somebody that we, you know, we didn't have a history with. Um, so I, I think that, I think I would have built a, a little bit more of a structure in terms of a team a little bit earlier, earlier on. How did you learn from that? When we need people now, when we think we're on the cusp of needing people, we, we just, we hire, we bring somebody on. Just um, figure it out, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard in the beginning because you have to take time to figure out what, you have to build a job description. You have to figure out what they're actually going to do. Right. Even if you think you know what they're going to do, you have to figure out, like, I got to find time to do my job on top of teaching this person how to do it. I know what I need them to do, but the only person here that can do it is me and him mm-hmm. and her. Right. And you know, so I know that's a really difficult position to be in because yeah. um, you got to find time to train that person up. And you're used to doing it yourself. So you're really nervous about handing a responsibility off to somebody else. That's, I mean, that was very hard to do. It's one well. of the very hardest parts mm-hmm. about everything. <laughs> like we just, we just, I mean, we've been talking for eight months, nine months about hiring a receptionist or we call her like the office admin because she does much more than a receptionist. Mm-hmm. But that we just now did that like three, four weeks ago. And that's been a lot of work as far as handing it off. But it's been so much like beneficial, so beneficial that, you know, it's a little scary because, you know, I'll hear calls or I'll see emails and I'm like, ah, eh, like I would have done it a little bit differently. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's just a training process. But it's it definitely took two weeks of us sitting in that office just listening and listening to phone calls and teaching. And that's a lot of time you have to invest and is definitely scary. (laughs) I think the best way to cope with all that is understanding that every other company has to do the same thing. I think we always lose like sight of that. We're like, man, we're the only ones like, no, every single company, especially in our industry is like, do we have the money for that? Mm -hmm. How are they going to get trained? I got to do this. You got to do that. How's this going to happen? Everybody has the same struggles. So when you do it, you just try and get through it the best way you know how. And if it works out, that's awesome. And your what's, what's life just got much easier. What's the ROI in it? That's the, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are they, are they going to make us money or is that position, you know, not making money and then you're paying somebody that that's difficult mm-hmm. and save us time. Time is money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Freeze us up. It's crazy to be doing things. And a phone is just not like jumping off the table. You know what I mean? Which is, is a good thing, but it's really difficult to do what you're supposed to be doing and answer calls all day long. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? What? It goes along the same lines. Um, before I do everything in the shop, so every inch of everything and handing something over, 
I probably waited on a few parts too long uh, to do something like that to where then you're at a certain level to be able to backtrack and have to train someone. If I would have done that early on, I think I would have been farther ahead with my time in the shop uh, to do other things rather than the standard production stuff constantly. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to be said, man. That's, I think most entrepreneurs though, and that anybody that builds something that's your baby, you know, you don't want to let it go, (laughs) you know, too soon and let somebody crash it. And then that, that there is a point where you have to let it go yeah. and just watch and trust and hope. I <laughs> hope you got the right person to do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's probably why it's so important for you to be involved and actually touch each product so that you know, even if you didn't see it all the way through, you get to see the final result, the final product to know oh, yeah. that it was all it was all done right oh, and yeah. up to your standards. There's a lot to go into each each and every product. There's something, you know, it could be that welded an inlet on backwards it could be something that just was you just can't miss that stuff because there's it's not like it's next door you're shipping them sometimes another part of the world that it's not an easy fix at that point so it's got to be spot on has that ever happened uh luckily no there's the biggest thing that we've run into is ever a a shipping damage you Mm -hmm. know oh that big fountain in bermuda Mm -hmm. um the initial one that we made was being um put over the front street and a big crane and the crane operator uh, misjudged something and dropped the entire fountain from maybe 40 feet. It fell right on front street. It destroyed the street in that area, destroyed the fountain. Uh, We had to come back and make an entirely new bottom portion to the fountain. Um, (laughs) Wow. From 40 feet? Yeah. You didn't have to rebuild the whole entire thing? No, luckily the one port part was already there and the big cells, what they were putting in. So it was like a gigantic stainless steel javelin that went into the street. Oh, um, wow. Did they have to buy two of them? Insurance did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, you guys, hopefully you guys didn't <laughs> right. have to eat that. That's pretty, that's rough. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So definitely learned something from all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, you are you pretty good about, like, you have a really sharp eye for catching that stuff? I think I do. I've seen it enough now, and um, I haven't grown to be complacent with it. So I still see, you know, I watch their welds. I watch their polishing and grind it too deep. Um, enough weld on the backside, the internal welds, uh, the manifolds, you know, they're close enough. There's, there's a lot of things that, you know, yeah, it's second nature at this point, but it's really not. Because I get to see it and I get to understand, you know, I can visually see when something's just a very tad bit off now. And so, and they might not see it. But if I can see it like that, then, you know, that thing has to be redone. Especially for what you guys are doing, it's it's going to a permanent spot. It's not like a shirt where you could just send it back mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not a big yeah. deal. You guys are actually, the builder is putting this in a specific spot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, something's not right. And it's like, oh, it's not that easy to just, you know. Yeah. Rip it off. I can't wear out. Yeah. No. Here I got my receipt here. Can you guys fix this? Yeah. Like, it's not, you know, it's not that the easy. Button missing. Yeah. It's yeah. If the, so that, and that's a big part of why it's so important for us to look over every single product and, and run our finger along every single weld line. Um, because if it does get on site, it could be across the country or it could even be in Arizona, but if it gets installed on the wall and something's not right, you know, then it's a whole other host of problems. Yeah. That makes, I'm sure that makes it difficult, <laughs> much more difficult to 
change at that point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Have you ever had to do that? Pull a product out uh, off of a build? No, there, there's, uh, there's one in a wall fountain where they went to shock a fountain. But they, the chemicals they poured in, they poured enough for an entire pool into this little fountain. Then they ran it for a little while, then let it stay. Oh. And uh, that wasn't the best, the best thing that they did there. <laughs> no. But other than that, uh, we've been doing it for so long. We, we really come up with a method to make it work and work right. That wasn't really your fault at that point, right? I mean, it's like no, no, technician's but, fault. Yeah. But, did you have to eat it? No, no. They were very good about it. Oh, they understood. Good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So you talked a lot about kind of the process of growing the business. How did you guys go about getting the word about your specific products? What did you do, you know, in the beginning, the hustle, the grind, you know, the day to day? How did that play out? It was, I mean, it was just that it was the hustle. It was the grind. It was, we, you know, social media was there, but the platform wasn't as utilized as it is now. So it was a lot of face-to-face meetings, a lot of phone calls, a lot of driving, a lot of um, connection with people that kind of started to get get things off the ground. Um, are, are we really focused on our literature in, mm-hmm. in the very beginning from Chris's first catalog? And that was always a very important part to us. Um, so we always maintained literature that really reflected, even if, even if we only had two amazing high-res pictures to use, we would use them, you know, to the best of our abilities and, and craft everything around it in such a way that it didn't look like we were trying to reuse the picture a million times right. before we had really built our catalog. Um, but it was, it's face to face a hundred percent was, was how we built it in the beginning. So you did that around like Arizona through mm-hmm. builders or how, how did you? Not just Arizona. I mean, Julie Easy. would pick me up at like two in the morning. We would hop in her car and we'd be in California for a few days or Las Vegas for a few days uh, going door to door to these places. Product yeah. in the back of the car. We'd pull yeah. up and come out to the car and check out our <laughs> the product in the back. And we'd open up and show them the, the, you know, the scuppers and the prefab fire pit yeah. and um, some of our features. I bet some of those earlier companies you talk took on are blown away at how you know, how big you guys are now. Yeah, it was funny. Somebody commented on our Instagram and said, because he had worked with us for a long time, he said, could you guys ever have imagined that you guys would be doing this with this kind of equipment after all these years? Because he was one of the very first early adopters of our product. And um, it's neat It's neat that people remember that and that we've been working with people for that long. That's um, That, to me, is, is really amazing oh, yeah. that we've been able to manage. And keep those relationships. It says a lot about, I think, the product and about the, you know, the relationship side of the business. How long did you guys have to go doing door to door until it started to build enough, you know, years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a number of years. We were we were doing that. I mean, they weren't. Uh, maybe every couple of months, you know, we would go out of state. We'd do that. Um, once we started doing shows, and. The catalog, like she said, we were really big for people to visually see this stuff, and our website constantly improved, and they could see more of it. Um, but it was a few years where we were we were doing that stuff, uh, heading out like mm-hmm. that. Before we felt yeah. com- comfortable. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys always have your warehouse, or is that something you always have had it? Yeah, we're in the same one we started in, and we just kept adding equipment and employees and uh, to it, so... 
We, I mean, it's a, it's a big facility, and we yeah. didn't, in the beginning, we, we had a very up. small section of it. And um, and I, I, I never would have thought that we would have not only taken up the entire space, but we're, you know, bursting. we're bursting at the seams, um, trying to find creative ways to to store and to, you know, to manage the equipment and the materials. Is everything there? Or do you guys mm-hmm. have a separate storage facility or something? Everything's there. Everything on it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have it all at your fingertips, but, um, and did you, did you move from another place to there? Mm-hmm. You just been there the whole time. Yeah. You think you're going to have to move soon? Well, we're, we're getting to that point yeah. where we're going to have to, uh, to make some changes in how we're doing that because we're, we're out of space, uh, and electric electricity. Yeah. So. We, 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 <laughs> yeah. Our electrician, we, <laughs> kind of bangs his head against the wall because like we've, we've got to figure out how, how can we fit this this other piece of equipment and we need this this and this for it um, but we had you know a few years ago five years ago we had to make the decision okay we can either put our money into equipment or into a building and hands down for us it was the equipment and you know the building can can come later let's let's refine our product let's um, you know let's go that route so now here we are yeah, when you guys decide to move, that's gonna be that's gonna be probably <laughs> crazy work, especially oh, yeah. if it's not close by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big project. Mm-hmm. If you're here in the air park, you could just have a separate location in Colorado. Just right? take your private jet <laughs> over to Colorado. So, we gotta get to that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be sweet. Do you remember ever like when you guys had your first like big project that you got and like the feeling that was was it of the success? Well, you know. I actually thought about that. And for me, at least, it wasn't any, the big project wasn't a big success. I didn't feel like that. It ended up being the return customers and the the amount of small orders that people were doing, meaning that what we were doing going out there, it was coming back. And they they wanted the product then after we saw them. And it might just be two scuppers, but they wanted it. And then a month later, they wanted three more. And then this company wanted more. It, for me, it almost felt like the big products were cool because they're creative, but the satisfaction really came from these guys coming back because they liked it and they wanted it and they they wanted to integrate it into their own business that they support. And so that's where I I really like seeing that. It was an incredible feeling that we're doing the right thing. I'll let you know that your vision and what you built like means something to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's the best feeling ever is because that's what you always want. And for it to actually happen, you're like, man, I, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I envisioned it to be. And it's it's running its yeah. course. That's the coolest thing. I, we think that all the time where it's like, wow, that worked out <laughs> just the way we had planned. You know, it, it's it's not always that way. But when it does, it's it's a really good feeling. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of satisfaction in that. What about you, Julie? Mm. When you actually get to a point where oh my gosh we really hit a number that i didn't think i didn't know if we would ever i didn't know if we would be here today let alone hit this number and there's still a lot of stuff we want to do there's still a lot of growth to be had that was that was really exciting it um kind of helps you add that fuel to the fire because you've got to have a win yeah and when so when you get that and you think all right now what's the next win yeah keep moving forward Mm -hmm. So we noticed you guys have been in some uh, different magazines. I'm sure you guys are pretty excited about that. Is there one in particular that you're most proud of? I really like, well, there were a couple pieces. One was the piece titled Welding Wonder Boy. Huh. And that really dove into um, your background in 
in welding kind of what brought you to the present day yeah i think that and there's one that was in the paper yeah there's a one on the paper with the two of us um, yeah. brother sister duo and that talked a lot about manufacturing in the united states but also manufacturing as a as a family um, yeah i think those two those showed a lot about you know what makes our company what it is today and then what's what's behind it that it, you know, what's there's so much more behind the product yeah i think i read that one the brother the newspaper one that's a good, yeah that's a good one yeah it's Fun. So what, where does your name come from? It's a throwback to our dad. Yeah, our dad's name is Bob. Um, is that he's he's with us every day down at the office pretty much. Yeah, Thursday and Fridays he's usually up in Prescott. But, uh, we give him those days off. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, nice uh, of you. <laughs> his name is Bob and he he's an incredible guy and always been extremely supportive and, and part of the business and around. And um, it just kind of, to him, without calling a company bob uh <laughs> right yeah. it has to do with our dad yeah yeah we had a um family friend that would always call him bobay and i kind of kind of has a nice a nice ring to it <laughs> it would be something that everybody will remember um and uh it just stuck yeah it did stick <laughs> and i think he gets a kick out of it too oh, i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> that's cool and I see you actually have on your website how to pronounce it yes. correctly. Because we like, yeah. have heard everything. Right. Yeah. I know. I was calling it Bobe, and I, I should have known better to, to just say that. <laughs> so I'm like, they would nobody would name their company Bobe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then he, I think he corrected me a couple times, and it's never happened again. I'm like, Bobe. Yeah. Sounds so cool now. <laughs> you heard of Bobe? Yeah. I love it. It's freaking awesome. It was really neat when I heard somebody say, um, they've got a customer. They want to put a bobe on their pool. I'm like we're a noun now. All right, <laughs> right? <laughs> like a Kleenex yeah. or something. Yeah, that's super cool. They're gonna go with the bobe. Yeah, I mean not that one, like a cheaper <laughs> something else, but you know the that style. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, would you guys recommend you know any books or anything that you know they can teach somebody how to do something better? Is there anything that you would recommend? For me, I mean. On the business side, you might see it, but for me, it's just it's hands on, just doing it. I mean, you just got to do it. So for Julie, she is more into the the books and and that part of it. Yeah, experience certainly trumps everything. But um, I read a book by Randy Nelson in the past year called The Second Decision, and it's he talks a lot about okay, you've established your business, things are running smoothly. Now you have to ask yourself. And be honest with yourself, all those difficult questions. If somebody, if you were to have a board of directors and they were, you know, to say what are the top three things that you're not doing that should be done right now that's going to propel your business to the next level, what would those be? And then why aren't you doing those things? He talks a lot about what's your plan B when something doesn't go right um, on the numbers side so that you can have a quick response and can quickly navigate those rocky, you know, those waters um, talks a lot about analyzing and critically looking at your numbers. Um, uh, that was all really interesting to me because you get so pulled into the day-to-day -day that sometimes you forget thinking about those really strategic high-level aspects of your business. Um, the other book I'm reading right now is called You Are a Badass, and uh, it's just a really good reminder to, to give yourself credit and to say yes to things, say yes to this podcast. Um, um, you know, don't think twice about 
posting something on Instagram, putting a piece of, of literature out there, whatever it is, go for it. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. You'll look at it six weeks and say, oh my gosh, that, you know, I totally should have changed this or that about it. But you, you have to keep moving. You have to keep doing um, and, and, and give, yourself, give yourself credit. Give yourself a pat on the back once in a while. Very cool. I wonder, does that have anything to do with, you guys just seem extremely giving as well. Um, I've noticed on some different social media sites yeah. that you guys are, um, you were talking to me actually through the email this morning that you were um, doing yeah. something with the uh, autism. Yeah. Sark, yeah. Sark. So um, in the past, we've uh, donated to Special Olympics. Um, and then around the holidays, we always, we do we do something, whether it's um, Christmas angels or you know, contribute to food drives. And then, so this year, um, we've learned a little bit more about SARC, which is, um, they're all about Southwestern autism research. And I never knew it was one in 68 children is, uh, on the spectrum and which is a number that was astronomical to me. And so we've learned a little bit more about it and, um, have, you know, donated to them and and said, yeah we always have that on our focus actually a, a group outing one of the next ones we'll do we're going to go to um st mary's food bank and and do that as as our as our group get together I'm sure we'll have dinner afterwards but um <laughs> but everybody wants to kind of incorporate a an element of giving yeah i think those are really cool i went to um something for autism in salt lake many many years ago when i was out there one of my friends was uh, kind of a part of some organization and we actually went to the hospital and, but we did like a bunch of stuff and it was just, it was the coolest thing. Some of those people were just so funny and caring and loving. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was just, it was a really, yeah. it was a really cool experience to make a difference in somebody's life, but they in return yeah. do something for us, you know, it kind of just makes you feel good that, you know, you're helping out and, um, they're just good, good people. You make, you can make good friends that way mm -hmm. too. Um, and also notice you guys were doing something with the, uh, like big brothers. And yeah. So, um, we donated to big brothers, big sisters. Um, uh, we've gotten, we've gotten involved with them a little bit in the past couple of years. And it's, you know, when you think about posterity and youth and how influential we can or can't be with the younger generations, what Big Brother Big Sisters does is it pairs at-risk youth with mentors that can bring them under their wing and talk to them about school and things that they're experiencing um, when these kids might not have anybody else to really talk to or to influence. And um, so we felt like it's it's an amazing community organization. It helps so many kids. And in return, you talk about giving, it helps the adult in that situation as well. It helps the parents, but it helps the adult that's being the mentor. It changes their life dramatically. We felt like that was, you know, an important organization to to participate in. Yeah, and it's cool that you you see all that because I mean, I'm sure you guys didn't grow up in the inner city and you know yeah. dealt with some of the things that those kids have to deal with. I think it's always really special that you can put yourself in their shoes and actually want to make a difference because it's crazy. You meet up with one of those kids that you know just has a rough life. It's much different than yours. Um, mm -hmm. It's crazy if we focused more on the youth we live in a yeah. completely different world because everybody's life is different mm -hmm. and if you can't understand why someone's acting the way that they are you might not understand because you didn't have to go through what they did mm -hmm. you know what yeah. i mean there are people that are stronger than some or they just have 
you know, they just have that thing in them to want to be better, Mm -hmm. you know, even if they grew up rough. Yeah. But um, I think it's I think it's a really cool program. And I actually looked it up when I saw it on your you guys posted a while back on Twitter. But I looked into it and made me want to like join something like that. They need men <laughs> yeah. because there are a lot of women um, that that are the mentors. But what they're really lacking in is, is men as mentors. So, you know, when we were starting the business, I thought, God, I could really use a mentor. You know, having somebody that can show you a way um, in, you know, that's positive is, is really important, whether that's through a book or a person or a podcast. Um, it's, it boils down to learning and it boils down to giving. Yeah. And everybody's different, but I, me personally, I kept everything in for pretty much my whole life. Cause yeah. I think earlier experiences just, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like whatever I talk about, nobody's listening. You know what I mean? And the older I've gotten, um, it just feels so good. I mean, this is like really recent that I've gotten to open up. And I think the podcast and being much closer with my brothers opened me up to that. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool opening up to even like, you know, my wife, my kids, my brother, yeah. you guys a little bit yeah. and um, seeking out more mentors where it's like, you know what, I want to be the best that I can possibly be. You might not be in my space, but, you know, I always recommend that to everybody is like, dude, find somebody good. Yes. And even if it's not they don't have to be the richest. They don't have to be this or that. Just find somebody that's got their crap together mm-hmm. and ask them, like, what keeps yeah. you on track? Is yeah. it, you know, like you, you just work and what motivates you is to work on something differently because that is a unique personality, but there's people out there that might be like that and it motivates them like, oh, I never thought about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, I think everybody needs somebody in their life. And I think sometimes people are too embarrassed to ask for help. You know, because it could be your neighbor, you know what right. I mean? And you're like, I'm not going to do that. He, he doesn't want anything to do with me. Right. You don't know that. When people talk to us or, you know what I mean? I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Love talking to people, especially because I know it takes a lot of courage to ask somebody for advice or, you know, something like that. So, you know, yeah. it's a really Asking cool thing. Asking for help is a big part of it. But you only have one life. <laughs> you got to live it to the fullest, right? Yeah. One life. And that's something else Gary talks about too. You know, mm-hmm. making sure you're happy. Make good choices, be, be around people who make you happy and make you better. That's all goes hand in hand with mm-hmm. that. And I think that's a really good plan yeah. to live life with. Yeah. If that's what you want, you know, everybody's got a, everyone's happy in different ways. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everybody does things differently. Yeah. You just got to figure out what it is that makes you happy and do it. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Own it. And that's it. Run the that's all you can do. Yeah. You don't have to have a mentor, but. Yeah. Suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> is your guys' door always open? You know, if your team ever just wants to just just talk about their life and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we, we get a lot of that. Every, you know, yeah. some stuff outside of work they're struggling with. Uh, we definitely have a lot of that, too. Yeah. You know, very open to, to understanding. Uh, a real, real level playing field at our facility. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Are you, are you pretty understanding, Chris? 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's cool because I think you're a special case, you know, not get too personal, but I think you're pretty rare to be so hardworking and so focused that I could see because I know sometimes like we work pretty hard and I don't see how other people do things the way that they do them. I'm like, dude, just focus and do this and that. You know what I mean? So is it difficult for you to just be who you are and people kind of bring their stuff to the table and you have to listen and you're probably processing it like, dude, just buck up and do it. No, no. It's a, there's a compassion you have to have within human beings. 
And if you can't do that, you're really going to struggle. And for, you know, these guys that we don't live the same life, but we spend a lot of time together to where I know they're going through hardships that might be outside of work. You know, their kid's sick, their wife this, this might be it, and they're just struggling. You know, for them to be kind of my off and say, uh, a little off today or or whatever it may be, then then it's easy for me to really try to say, hey, let's figure this out. What can I help with? Or it might not be help with. It's just I need to get this off my shoulders. And that's important for them. Uh, you know, like I said before, I, I – I don't see any levels within our facility. So we may own the company, but I'm happy to go out and weld with the guys. I'm happy to help load up a truck and I'm happy to sit with them and chat with them at break time. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no difference for me in that. I mean, it's a very level playing field at our facility. That that is so cool. Hopefully we get to visit one day and, you know, get to experience that culture. Really look forward to that because it sounds like you guys know exactly what you're doing because you're doing you're building it the way you wanted it to be. You know, you're not mirroring some other company. You're not mirroring what you read. You just felt it and did it. And you're you're happy. Yeah, we'd love to have you guys. Um, So we get to the end here. Do you guys want to kind of plug the company where people can find you, you know, what kind of products you offer, how we, you know, if they want to start using your products, they can do so. Yeah. That it's Instagram for sure. Check out our Instagram page. We have um, a lot of videos up on YouTube as well. Um, you can access all of that off of our website, bobaywaterandfire.com. The and is spelled out. Um, and what's the Instagram handle? Uh, Bobay Water and Fire. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't taken? <laughs> we got there early enough. Um, and, uh, gosh, what else? Have fun with the line. Get into it. There's a lot of possibilities. Uh, if you need direction, call us. We love to help designers walk through the look they want to achieve and what product's going to match it perfectly. We have an incredible staff that can help find the perfect product for your pool design. Our product line is so flexible. We work with a lot of the volume builders, and we work with a lot of the builders that only build two or three pools a year. So don't be shy. Um, Call us. We'd love to build new relationships, and we love to see what people are doing with our product line. And you brought some samples in here. So what kind of of metals do you guys use? What kind of colors do you use? This here is our fire ring. So it uses all... uh, 304 stainless steel uh, tubes, thick-walled, billet 316 stainless steel center, uh, all brass end caps, brass nozzles, um, all fully TIG welded uh, with an aluminum collar to to hold on to it. Um, These are kind of an interesting product. They're uh, the actual nozzles where the gas comes out of, but they're made so water doesn't enter a ring. That's a big problem in these things. So everything's been machined, undercut, uh, dual sizes where it works like that. Um, basically not to allow the water come, but give it a very full, more of a lazy flame, not an erratic flame. So it looks more natural. Um, same, same reason for the center. That way it's a little more intense in the center, like a normal fire kind of should be. So it gives it a natural look. Um, we have a couple of other machine pieces that we did, uh, in this one. A lot of pool service companies buys these from us. I saw the aerator. It's an yeah. aerator. Yeah. Um, a lot of white plastic ones will get snapped off. Things like that. Uh, that will never get snapped off. Um, no, it's super heavy. <laughs> yeah, and it will always be there. And so we uh, 
we have a lot of those and mostly uh service companies will you have those in their trucks and they end up replacing them uh without yeah. peace that's awesome i like the b on the end <laughs> dude this thing is out of control <laughs> i mean what what is something like this run for just one of these 35 dollars 35 bucks mm-hmm. okay but it lasts forever it also lasts longer than the pool this yeah. thing is insane <laughs> <laughs> this thing is heavy <laughs> yeah, that'll stay through the second remodel of the pool yeah, yeah. so yeah. can people buy these single like a yeah. scp superior and stuff like that mm-hmm. oh yeah nice and that last one's a full machined brass piece called our ballet. It has a few different areas that's used. It's used in one style of our tiki torch. Um, we have something called the flight series, which is a very open contemporary bowl that will sit down in the middle there. And then we have people just using that as a fire feature in and of itself. They'll put that on a column and have that uh, with the fire. Dang, that is rock crazy. waterfalls people will put them in rock waterfalls kind of stick them up around yeah. so you've got the water and then fire, fire all throughout it. Yeah, like, you know nothing can damage it and it's still very minimal to where they can kind of be hidden if an area they want and uh, it will always be functioning wow very cool there's a great video on our uh, youtube page that shows the flame it has this amazing billowing flame that you would be really surprised to see come out of that it's gorgeous yeah we'll have to check that out yeah, that's super cool. You guys make like donuts for baseball bats? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That thing is crazy. That's really cool. Well, thank you all so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, do you have anything else? No, we're really excited about your podcast. I thought it was so great that you were doing this and opening up the eyes and the windows to the industry and, uh, and sharing information. So I'm really excited for you guys. And we're thrilled to be one of your first thank you so much thank you very much i appreciate it yeah thank you guys thank you guys so much for listening we truly appreciate it we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and you know check out bobe because they are doing some cool things in the industry we got to go check out their factory and i must say it's one of the most impressive things i've ever seen so don't miss out go check out their instagram and follow them follow what they're doing you know and as always take what you can use it apply it to your business and we hope you got some good content out of this episode please follow us on instagram facebook and twitter our tag is pool chasers if you have any questions please email poolchasers.info at gmail.com please hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with anybody you know that might benefit from it so thank you guys once again see you out there pool chasers, chasers.